on this edition of Flying High, the Philly Fans Perspective, I have a special guest on, my man Beef, Brian Rome. He runs the National Holiday Celebrations account. We'll talk all about it, but first, send request. Play us in. All right, so I will touch on everything uh, Philly sports related in this um, interview with Brian Rome, who runs the National underscore Holiday underscore Celebrations account. We'll talk all about it. It's an awesome Instagram account, YouTube account, and I'll link it um, in the show notes down here. But we're just going to jump into it because there's a lot that we talked about, and it was random. It was awesome. Here it is. Alrighty, I am here now with my friend Brian Rome, live from Charlotte. I'm in Greensboro. He's in Charlotte, same state, but somehow we haven't met up yet. We'll have to change that sometime very soon. Uh, Brian is, he just told me this, the support escalation engineer. There you go. You got it, brother. At Microsoft. <laughs> he is living the life working for Microsoft, um, one of the best tech companies in the country. How is that going? How are you doing, man? And just what is up? Ah, dude, uh, thanks for having me, man. This is a bunch of fun, and we do got to link up. I got to uh, gotta get together soon. But yeah, life's good down here, man. I'm having fun. It's going on three years in July now. So been here for, for going on three years. Miss Pennsylvania a lot. Miss being around either Penn State, all the Philly stuff, you know, Eagles, Flyers, Sixers. So whenever I get my chance to get back up there, I, I try to incorporate all that. But Definitely miss uh, miss being back up north, but having fun down here and trying to stay out of trouble as much as I can, man. Dude, absolutely. And and before I get into talking about other stuff, I really the reason I have Brian on here not only to catch up and see how he's doing, he has started the greatest social media slash YouTube account that I can think of um, in the in in the longest time. Like I haven't seen something that I check every day and make sure that I. I, I want to see it every day. He is national underscore holiday underscore celebrations on Instagram. Um, on YouTube, do you just search national holiday celebrations? or how, I forget how I got there, but I'm subscribed. Um, don't know how to find it on YouTube. It is, linked, it is linked in the Instagram bio. It goes right to the page. That is the easiest way to find it. So, yeah, national underscore holiday underscore celebrations on Instagram and you will find it really easy or I'll have PD posted somewhere else, but yeah. it's all over Facebook. I'm going to include that in the, uh, in the episode notes as well as on all the Facebook and, and Twitter posts for this podcast. But uh, for anybody who doesn't know what this is, first off, go follow it right now, mash the follow button, check out all the videos he's put out. So there are so many ridiculous holidays that are made up. There's one every day and I don't know which ones are actually real. I don't know which ones are fake. But Brian's figuring this out for us, and he puts together uh, between a 30-second to one-minute video um, celebrating these holidays in just the most dramatic fashion. Uh, what caught my eye was the first one ever on National Cereal Day where Brian was actually swimming in a bathtub filled with cereal. And then he just you just dump it on your face and just go all in on the milk and everyone to follow has been just as exciting, just as funny. And I love it personally because it's like most people take these holidays so seriously and you're just 
thinking I'm going to actually have fun with this. I'm going to be myself. And in a minute, I'm going to make a lot of people laugh. Whatever I can do to get the world to laugh, to be a little less serious for the day. That was like the goal is to have fun. You know, I, I would say I'm a very introverted person until I get to know people. So this is like my way of showing like maybe some people at work, maybe some people I just hang out with here once in a while. I'm a goofball and I love to have some fun. So, you know, it, it really spun off. Dylan Phillips was texting me in a group chat one day and it was actually national Oreo day. And he goes, I hope everyone celebrates national Oreo day. Let's go guys celebrate it. And my goal, this was the first one I was going to make. I was going to get into a like 15 gallon trash can, like the cookie monster and eat cookies (laughs) out of a trash can. And that's just, that's where my head went to the first thing he said, national Oreo day, but I couldn't, I fit in the trash can, but I couldn't sit down. Like when I went to go sit down, my knees got stuck and I couldn't actually get in the trash can, which luckily I tried before I bought milk. (laughs) So I was like, man, like I can't get in the trash can. So then I'm like, all right, try number two at this cereal day happens. And I made the joke with Dylan in the morning. So Dylan Phillips is like my acting manager every day. I got a text from him like, yo, this is the new holiday that you have to do today. And I'm like, what the, come on, man. So I get all these texts from him. So cereal day happens. And my first text back to Dylan was, I'm filling a bathtub full of cereal and milk. And that's what I'm doing. And then as my work day went on, I like thought through like, yo, that's like f- my bathtub. Cause I just redid my bathroom. I have a 49 gallon bathtub. And I'm like, I'm not buying 49 gallons worth of milk. Like, how am I going to do this? So I made the joke to everyone at work, and I'm like, because they all saw the Oreo video, I'm like, I'm not doing a bathtub full of milk. My one coworker's like, you can go to Walmart and get a gallon of milk for $1.68. This whole video costs you like 50 bucks. How internet famous do you want to be? And the second he said that, I packed up my laptop, I grabbed my backpack, and I went right out the door to Walmart, and I bought yes. 26 gallons of milk. What did and- that look like? Was it just a, a shopping cart? Like, did... Do they have 26 gallons in the cooler at once? Yeah, so like I like tried to not take 26 of the same gallon of milk because I knew I wasn't going to be drinking them all. So I didn't want to be like the guy who just like took out like the entire shelf of like 1%. I was like, I'll take 10 of these and 10 of these. But the looks that I got in Walmart, like at first it's like, oh, he's got six gallons of milk in the cart. And then all of a sudden, like there were six more. And like employees are walking by just like looking at my cart just – stacking up with milk and then i'm pushing this thing through the store everyone's staring at me like this kid has like 20 gallons of milk then i like actually did my shopping like i had like i think i bought a rubber ducky just for the video i had some shaving cream i had some water like i had all this random stuff in the cart and i went to go check out and the lady at the checkout line was like i gotta ask you what are you doing with all this milk and, like, I almost felt ashamed for a second. Like, I almost felt, like, wasteful. Like, I felt so bad being, like, yeah, I'm pouring it in my my uh, my tub, and then I'm just going to drain it out and not use it. And I'm like, uh, me and my friends are trying to get internet famous. We're going to all drink and eat cereal. And she's like, that's what you're doing to get internet famous? I'm like, yeah. And she's like, you need more cereal. I'm like, trust me, I'm fine with what I got. Like, please just ring up the 26 different gallons of milk and let me out of the store. So, yeah, it it I've it was... It was a rough one, man. It was definitely like one of the most embarrassing situations I've probably put myself in a long time. Just twenty six gallons of milk in a freaking supermarket, but it yeah, was uh, I, it was worth I it. I can just picture that. And <laughs> mad props to you for that. I get 
self-conscious just talking on my phone <laughs> in Walmart. People look at me like I'm talking too loud, but yeah, yeah. I, I can't even imagine walking and just seeing someone with 26 gallons of milk in their cart and just like, what in the hell are they headed towards? I'm trying to but, see if I have anything oh on my, my phone. I can, if I find a picture of it, like, cause I know I have it saved of like the cart or I'll send it to you. But yeah, dude, oh, my, yeah. my whole trunk was full of milk. And then I think the best part is like I I tested so I have like five gallon paint buckets. I tested how much water it would take for me to be in it and have like enough to look like legitimate, which is how I got to the twenty six gallons. But then like I didn't think that the cereal is gonna cover all this water. So I'm like, I have to go buy milk, like it's gotta look legit. But then once I did the video, my brother calls me and obviously he's the smartest of the two of us. He goes, uh why didn't you just fill it up with water and pour cereal in it and have one bowl full of milk? Like you didn't have to buy 26 gallons of milk. And I'm like, well, where the hell were you? Like 20 minutes ago, dude. Like, so I mean, I could have got you before I went to Walmart. Uh, and not to mention that the water that I filled my tub up with when I tested this was like scorching hot because it's right out of the faucet. It was hot. Uh, milk was freezing cold. Did not take that into account when I got into the tub full of milk and cereal. I'm like, oh, this is actually really cold. We're getting this done in one take, and I'm getting out of my tub. Like, yeah, it, that was. I mean, it was it was fun, but now like like National Meatball Day was like three days later, and immediately like Chris Mobley and all them text me. They're like, um, you need to fill your bathtub up with marinara sauce and meatballs. And I was just like, you need to pay for all of that because I'm not filling. You're not up making bath- this a thing. <laughs> yeah, this is. Not, I'm not the national get in your tub with whatever day it is. Like, yeah. <laughs> now, so. I wonder if like. Your your friends at work or the people at work, did they? I can't imagine if they had thought of that or if they were just like, "Is this, let's tell this kid to go buy twenty six <laughs> gallons of milk and see if he actually does it." So like, I think so. The one guy who whose idea, the one guy who like pushed me over the edge, like me and him, we sit next to each other, and we go. But he's like my dad down here, and he makes jokes like, "I'm old enough to be your dad," and I'm like, "Yeah, you are, but like you're my boy, so let's calm down here." But yeah, he was like all in on. He was like the only way to do cereal day right. Cause I'm like, I'm just going to fill up a five gallon bucket with milk and cereal, dump it on me in the backyard. Ha ha. Funny, funny. Like he milk bath. And he goes, no, if you're going to do that, like you got to get in a tub full of cereal. And I'm like, I can't get a tub full of cereal. And I don't know. I, I don't know. You're right. I don't know if he's like, I want to see how stupid this kid actually is. Like he works for Microsoft. He, he can't be this dumb. <laughs> but I, I was that dumb and I got no. into a tub full of cereal. And it's not dumb, man. It's dedication towards the craft. You're like yeah. you don't get the true emotion. If you know you're sitting in a bathtub filled with water, you're like, I'm a poser. I can't yep. accept. Yep. I can't accept any sort of fame. If I'm just sitting in a bathtub of water, I need the actual milk. My other favorite part about these videos is that you have different condiments. Like for, I think it was pancake day that you had syrup out of, I forget exactly what it was, but you put a white piece of paper over every product that could have a brand name. <laughs> and you say, absolutely uh, no, no free no advertising. Free if no you want to sponsor this, let me know. So I am yeah. waiting for you to <laughs> nail some big time sponsorships so we can start seeing some product placement. So I've gone, I've gone back and forth with the no free ads. I am a firm believer. I'm no, no free ads, nothing, but national pancake day, I think was the only one where I was like, you know what, let's get these other small, let's just throw them out there and see what happens. Nothing came from it. So we're back to no free ads. Uh, we're back to, I'm going to just put duct tape right over the front of them and you're, 
maybe you'll know exactly what it is. I don't care. The name's not on it. No free ads. We're back to it until we get sponsors. I like so. it. That, that <laughs> is a good plan for marketing and sponsors are going to be coming in. I think you should just send a picture if you find it of the 26 gallons of milk to Walmart and get a full on product line sponsorship with great value. So you can just I mean, be the guy who's got great value, everything, no matter what day it is. That's, that's gotta be the move. Walmart sponsors me. We're good to go. <laughs> Walmart sponsors you. They, they own the world. I don't care if it's, it's got a little bit of a bad rap. If you're sponsored by Walmart, you are going to be beyond internet famous. <laughs> Whatever you need. Just, Hey, uh, I need a hundred gallons of marinara sauce. What the hell are you doing? Don't worry about it. Just give me my marinara sauce. Okay. Oh man. Yeah. So before we get talking into sports, I kind of want to ask you about your transition into North Carolina. I know you said that this was something that you do kind of to show your personality and you're introverted. I'm the same way. And the reason that I do this podcast is I came down to North Carolina and I did not realize how much I would miss home. And in particular, as soon as I was watching the Eagles game on the TV, I was like, oh, my God, what do I what do I do after the game? I'm sitting here alone. Nobody understands what it's like to be an Eagle fan. How did you make that transition um, into North Carolina in general? And then especially being a Philly sports fan, there's nowhere like Philadelphia. Charlotte might be is definitely different than Greensboro. But from what I've seen, they don't have the same passion towards their teams that we have in Philly because nobody does. Yeah, and like so, like you might want to crop this out if you got any North Carolina fans in that listen to your podcast. Don't care, but they're all dumb. Like I can't talk sports with them down here. Like I moved down here right after the year after Villanova beat North Carolina in the NCAA basketball, like the champion March Madness. They won, and they still were talking about like how North Carolina was a better team than Villanova, and I'm like. You literally just like, yeah, you guys hit a shot to like send it to like where we had to make it, but like you lost, like let, let it go. Like, and just listening to the way that they talk about sports, I just, I don't know if it's just cause I'm not a fan of their teams, but, and I'm looking at it like through a different perspective where I'm just like, Cam Newton is trash. Like he's not your, like your quarterback that you really want, but like, he's a good enough quarterback to get you. He's like, what I would equate him to is our Donovan McNabb. He got us through years. He kept us competitive, but he's not the guy he had his chance. It's done. Like, and all of them, like second coming of God. Like, so it's like little things like that, just because I'm from a different city. I like a different team. Like I'm not like, like so in love with the team where like, I can think like, okay, yeah, Cam Newton, great player. Is he what the Panthers really need? Probably not. They probably could move on from, get some value, pull the Sam Hankey tank for a couple of years, get some picks and, and keep it rolling. So it's like, I just, it's, just, it's so weird for me to talk sports, especially when those sports aren't Philadelphia sports with people. Cause it's like, it, it, that's just been, that's been the weirdest thing for me is like it, just hearing all this Carolina stuff. And it's like, no, he's not that good. Like he's an average player. It's like, you guys are lucky in the division that you're in that you do so well. Like I would love to play the bucks twice, like little things like that, man. And so it's like, you know, I, it's, it's, it's fun, but I think this year I just paid 40 bucks to a content provider who I'm not going to put out there so that I could watch the Eagles post game, li- like pregame live post game live. Like I spend money just because like you said, after the game, I'm like, I can't hear Ray Dittinger talk right now. Yeah. Like I, I need something to do. Like, no, yeah. you're absolutely right. I, I remember after it was actually the Panthers game that we blew this year. 
Uh, Man. That will forever haunt me because yeah. I don't care if we made that playoff run. That game could have set us up. Like, how do you 17 nothing? But whatever. Besides <laughs> the point, I remember sitting there. I almost jumped off the third story balcony immediately after the game and like I was going to throw up. But then I sat down and wrote a six hour, like, 2000 word piece and I, I write for a sports blog and that was my way to get it out. Do you have any way other than sitting and while I mean, post game live is an awesome way to get that out. And I have not invested in that. I still stream via Reddit, all my football games. It does the trick, you know, you have it, you have the big TV, why pay for cable when you have Reddit? but yeah. do you have anything that really helps you through a Tennessee Titan uh, meltdown or a Carolina Panthers meltdown. All of this, dude, <laughs> I'm on to the next year already. Like it, uh, so or maybe, or maybe something to help you when something great happens, like somehow <laughs> we make it back to the playoffs, even though everybody counted us out after a Dallas game, which that's a whole nother story. It's rough. Like I was spending so much time in Pennsylvania this year. I felt like, so like after the Titans game, I was like, I had like a wedding the next day or something. So I was in Philly at my brother's house. And I remember watching that game at his house. And we went into a prevent defense and I turned to everyone and I said, we are going to lose this game again because we are going into a prevent. The Titans came all they came back, tied the game up. And I literally was like, now we're going to have to actually play defense. And we've been playing prevent for two and a half quarters. Like it's over. And guess what? They marched down the field, went for it on fourth down. We lost again. Same thing with the Panthers. Like I was just like, we're preventing ourselves wins. Like it. It's so like I, I want to say I was home for that game too. But like I, I no, I was working on my. Oh my god, I was working on my house with my dad. Yep. So this is how I get over it. I take my frustration out of my house. So I got done that Panthers game. It was halftime. We were up what twenty-one nothing or something crazy like that. Like the game was over. Yeah, Shit. seventeen nothing after three quarters, and uh, I think we had the ball entering the fourth quarter. I can't remember, but the game was over. Nothing. You should yeah. nothing yeah. should have happened. Like me and my dad were watching it, and we decided, you know what? Let's we we're putting up a roof on the back of my house, and like you know, let's go kind of get some stuff done. I pulled up Reddit on my laptop, put my laptop outside with us so we could watch it. And all of a sudden I kept getting down off the ladder and I kept looking at the score and I'm like, I did hear that, right? Like, yo, we're going to lose this game. Like it's 14. I'm like, they scored 14 unanswered points. Like what? And then, so when we lost that game, I think I was lucky because I had my dad here. Like we just sat for an hour and a half and ranted and just bitched about how sick Jim Schwartz makes us and how tired of him we were. And then it got to the point where I was just like, well, it is what it, it is what it is. Like, unless he's fired this weekend, like that's what it's going to be all season. Then it happened. Like it just, I, I think like I've just gotten to the point where I can just like bitch about the Eagles and it just, it just comes so naturally anymore. Like, <laughs> yeah, it's, <laughs> but it's tough. Be- like there's nothing to like, there's no real way to get over a loss. Like, especially when you had nothing to do with it and you're like that invested in the team where it's like, I, I was miserable for three days after both oh of those God, loss. Yeah. Like, it's like, can we play another game? And then like, we keep losing stupid games or you hear Carson Wentz is playing with a broken back and nobody told him. And it's like, D- dude, like, why do we do like, it just, it hurt. Like, it's like losing your girlfriend every time. Like, it's just, Oh my God. So absolutely. Sucks. That's, so, yeah. that's what I found with moving out of Philly in general. It was like, it was just devastating to leave a place. And I went to school in the heart of Philadelphia for three and a half years at temple. So 
being there for the Super Bowl victory and just being in that city as soon as you leave and you go somewhere that isn't that city, nobody understands the special. It's more than just a sport. It's more than just an inherited gene. Like we are, we bleed green. We bleed Phillies red. We bleed four for four. You know, it's a, it's a lifestyle, man. Like in that, like my brother came down to brother and Dylan Phillips came down two years ago. Eagles Panthers game. We do one away game every year. Now, since I moved away, we pick one. We went to new Orleans last year, unfortunately, um, and went to the Carolina game together. And like, we went to this Panthers game and like, I had been to a couple Panthers games before just to kind of see the stadium and everything Like, got cheap tickets and everyone there is super nice. Like it, like not Eagles fans, assholes. I, I'll say it. We don't like the other team. It's okay. So it's like, you know, I go in there and number one, half the stadium is wearing jerseys of teams that aren't even playing on the field. Like, it's just, it blew my mind. And I'm like, well, technically I'm an Eagle. I'm wearing my Dawkins jersey right now. Like I'm doing the same thing. Like we are such a transplant like area down here that it makes sense. But yeah, like even the Panthers fans are like just so laid back about their team that it's just like, it's a completely different feel than anything I've gotten from Philadelphia. Like even just like when I went to that Eagles Panthers game, like again, we're sitting next to a guy who told me the Eagles went three and out when Carson Wentz threw a pick after like 17 plays into the drive and we were driving on them. It's like, do you know football? Like, are you just saying things right now? Like, (laughs) so it's like, it's just so much, it's so different to be outside of the city and like, see how others like fan bases interact. It's just, it's such a different feeling and I miss it. Like I miss the link. I miss those blackouts when it's rocking and rolling and everyone's on their feet the whole time. So that is probably the biggest thing that I miss is just being in that atmosphere, man. Yeah. And, uh, for, I know for me, it also is, it's an additional stress that I work a job that I travel on a lot of weekends. So like when we were playing the Colts, I'm following the score on Google, like (laughs) just the score. And a close game against the Colts who at the time didn't really seem like a threat was another reason to be concerned. It's, it's just, it's, it's stressful. And like you said, I think Philadelphia fans, uh, we love our team. We are harsh on opposing teams. And I think that's a strong point for mm. Philadelphia. Maybe we get a bad rap outside of the city, but it really shows that we care so much that we're not just going to, we're not know. sick. Yeah, we're not. We're, we're not, not going to lounge you and let us nice. abuse it. Yeah, like don't, yeah. you're not going to abuse us for like that's our like. It's almost like I'm big brother. That's my sister. Like you, they can't hear what you're saying about you, them, but I can. So I'm going to deal with you because that's I love them. I love that team. I love that city. So yeah, you can say that we're rowdy and we're obnoxious, but guess what? We're rowdy and we're obnoxious because we actually give a damn. Like. <laughs> exactly. It's better to give a damn than to just go to the game. And it, it provides an additional atmosphere for the team. It yep. gives them the drive. You know, people, especially now people are noticing this Bryce Harper's noticing this coming to Philadelphia, not only because the team has a chance to win be because the fans are the best fans in the country and yeah. they know they have our support. And we're knowledgeable fans. I think that's really what sets us apart from a lot of cities. And there are other cities with knowledgeable fans. But when you look at other big cities, I'd say a New York, L.A., you have your sports fans. And then you have your L.A. Hollywood. I'm just going to the game because I want to be seen at the game. Or you have your New York fans. I'm just going to go because I have money and I want to go do this. In Philly, you go to the game. You know your team. 
and you pay attention to the whole game. You don't just sit there and dilly dally on your phone and take Instagram pics. I'm sure a lot of people I'll, take Instagram pics, but that you're there. Yeah, you're there for game. Yeah, and, and I'll 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 say you know I just started this whole one away game, you know, a year thing with my brother and, and friends. But like New Orleans is the closest thing that, and you were just in New Orleans too. Yeah. That is the closest thing that I have seen to Philadelphia in the away games that I've gone to. Like they. Like Sundays, it is all about football. The Uber drivers, like everyone that I talked to in New Orleans, knew football. They knew about, the, and if they didn't know everything about every team, they knew about the Saints, the Falcons, the Bucks. Like they knew their division. They knew everything that was going on in the division. They knew right when the Eagles left, the Falcons are coming to town. And, you know, we got them on Thanksgiving. We're making our run. This is our year. Who dat nation? Like, and I respected the hell out of that fan base because like they gave us hell the entire time we were there, but they knew what they were talking about. Like they were smart and they were into the game. Like the whole time, like they were all on their feet. The Superdome was rocking. Like that was the loudest place I've ever been in. I still hear that in my ears, dude. And that was back in what November that I went, like when we got blown out, like I, it's going to hurt me to say this. That might be a better experience than the link. Like that place was awesome. That was just an unreal experience down there. Like it, like, so seeing that, like I'm trying to see how all these different, like my brother went to new England and like the stories that he tells me about, like the new England fans, it's like, it's nothing compared to Philadelphia. And even he said like that, like we were, we both going into the playoffs were afraid of the Eagles having to play the saints. Cause it's like that environment is just, it's deafening. Like you have no idea what's going on around you. Like it's, it's insane, dude. So Man, when they start that who dat, who dat, whatever the whole chant is right at the beginning, especially when it's, it, I was there for that playoff game and yeah. I was, I was, I won't, I won't say I was nervous, but I was just mesmerized by the whole scene. I, I was in the moment. I was appreciating that I'm in this iconic building yeah. and it is living up to everything that I've heard about it and more yeah, without and a doubt. That's the exact same way I felt too. Like, like even just like sitting in my seat and listening to all them just yell and go like it was in like that that was just it was an exciting like that stadium and like amazing but like they're the closest thing that I can say an Eagles fan base would resemble so it's like in North Carolina like I don't see that I don't get that feeling like with any sport it's like even some of these Duke basketball fans like they're so complacent with oh well we we lost we lost the other night. Like, oh, well, like it doesn't, I get it. It doesn't matter to us. Like our lives aren't at stake at it. But like, man, if there are bad plays, like, you know, me and you, if we're talking about the Eagles after we lose, like we're talking about the different plays that went wrong. And like, can you believe that, you know, Alshon Jeffrey dropped that pass when he's wide open thinking about scoring a touchdown. Like he catches that we go to the Super Bowl and beat the Patriots easily. Like stuff like that. Like you just don't have anybody doing that down here. Like, oh, Zion missed that layup. And then we lost the game because of it. Like, nobody's criticizing their team or like even like it's just complacency. And that's, it's terrible. No, as a fan I agree. Basement. Even if I, even if they are um, kind of assessing or like complaining about the team, they don't know exactly what's wrong. They're just like mad. They lost. They, they yeah. don't have any deeper understanding. Whereas I will either write an article or I'll even just call up my dad and we'll talk it out. And it's frustrating when you have different opinions, but it, at least it's a Philadelphia fan who you can talk to, who understands 
how frustrated you are that Darby got burnt or Jalen Mills got burnt on yet another double move. <laughs> and then the next um, but, play came back and does this to somebody when oh they got my God. by 15 yards. Oh, <laughs> I was on the, I want Jalen Mills shipped so far out of here train very early in the season. I liked how he stepped up as a leader kind of to um, provide some sort of support for the younger guys who really stepped up at the end of the year. But yeah, just someone to talk to at the end of the game in that circumstance is, is a really nice thing to have. I know you work at Microsoft, so you might have some more. Um, it's a bigger. Is it a bigger office that you worked in? Is there a lot of people there? Or yeah, is we, it- we, we got a good amount of people around. You know, you, you get the couple people who are passionate about their sports and stuff like that. So not to bash on anyone too hard, but it's like you don't and probably because it's not Eagles to Eagles, but even like. I'll bring up like, you know, something happened in, in a Duke game or in a North Carolina game because like they're big games. They're nationally televised. They're, they're important. We're watching on ESPN as a sports fan. Like, so you go in the next day and you, you go up to that Duke fan at their desk and you're like, man, like, can you believe that they did blah, 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 blah. And they just look at you like, yeah, whatever. Like, yeah, we lost. Like we'll get to, you know, we got Syracuse next week. Like, it's fine. Who cares? Like, and it's like, how do you, uh, okay, I'm glad you like, okay. Like, Man, even with like for for the Sixers, even a regular season game against someone like the Cavs, where really does it matter? No. no. Did we get the win? Yes. But they were half-assing it for three quarters of the game, so I'm gonna complain about that for the next three days until they play another game. It's that kind of understanding that we expect great things out of them. Not everybody has that with their team, and I work in an office with three other people, and nobody watches football or or uh, basketball. I have uh, one guy who watches baseball and hockey, and then everybody else just watches golf. So I love myself some golf, but <laughs> <laughs> they, they don't understand. Like I came in once I got my uh, light up Eagles sweater. I got that yeah. one off NFL.com and I came in wearing it and they just think like, who is this goofball? <laughs> and they know when the Eagles lose, I'm going to be really salty for the next four to five days. And they don't understand why, but that's just how it is. It is something that affects us well past turning off the television until the next win. I am feeling some type of way. I'm calling for some coach's head. Like, oh, I shouldn't have started talking about coaches. Cause now I'm going <laughs> to talk about Mike grow and how much of an idiot he is. But besides the point, like stuff Man, like I, that, like I will never forget Mike grow coming out and saying that he didn't know how to put golden Tate into our game plan. How, how can you even, how can you even say that? Like, if you don't know, you have to have the brain to say, I'm not going to say that to the Philadelphia media. I, I, don't let that come out of your mouth. Number one, number two, why did we give up a third round draft? I think I get it. We're getting comp- compensatory one back. Brian, calm down. You're getting too upset about this, but like, <laughs> come on. Like, you gave up a third round draft pick for a guy who's supposed to help you make this playoff push, get you into the playoff run. Like, cool. We made it. He made a great play against Chicago. I get it. He did what we needed him to do, but like he was, he didn't exist in our offense. Like even with Nick Foles, like you think, okay, Carson was forcing the ball to Ertz this year. It seemed like a little bit like Foles was forcing the ball to Ertz too. It's just, just the play calls that grows. Like, well, I know I got the best freaking tight end against the linebacker. So quarterback keeps like it just didn't make sense how this offense was run this year and it just blew my mind when he when he came out and said I don't know how to get Golden Tate in this game plan I immediately was so done with him I didn't want to see him ever again and the fact that our offense didn't score any points after the first quarter in the Saints game 
just how it's just how yeah it's, <laughs> I, I was like I was at the Saints game and a lot of people said that that Nick Foles interception felt like it was the game changer or whatever. To me, that didn't really feel like it. It felt like, okay, we went for it. We didn't get it. Um, but the, the lack of any sort of balance in the play call in that game, there was like, there was no rushing attack whatsoever. It felt like bad short pass attempt. Not nobody was open in the passing game. And instead of try, I, I understand Josh Adams had some fumble issues and, you can't really rely on Smallwood that much, but he was playing well that game, and you didn't use Sproles the right way whatsoever. And in a game where you really want him to take over, he has some sort of added motivation or whatnot with the Saints. Who knows? But he's a veteran leader in a playoff game, and it felt like it wasn't the players who lost that game. How how are you going to keep Josh Adams on the sideline after he proved the what four games that he had as like trying to start or coming in with actual legitimate lit minutes like and was playing well and then against Chicago you don't give him the ball at all against the Saints like maybe had a couple carries like just didn't exist in the playoffs like I get the whole he's a rookie the stage might be too big for him but like Corey Clement's hurt Sproles has been hurt half the season Smallwood is a piece of garbage that we keep on our roster like it just it, you have no other options at running back. Like your options at running back are Sproles and Adams at that point. Like run them, man. Like so, it just stuff like that. Just it, yeah. The reason that we're throwing picks and stuff is because you can just drop your entire defense back and you don't have to worry about getting gashed for ten yards, man. So just stuff like that just drives me insane about about the coaching staff that we still have to this day, and nothing is going to change going into next season, and. I mean, it is what it is. We'll just be upset again next year, and hopefully we win something again. I love this because <laughs> this is the most classic Philly talk. You know, complain about the coaches. We hate it, but when they win the Super Bowl, like we love them, and when they do well, we love them because, I mean, I know that you know more about football than I do. <laughs> I, I know football on a, a good level, but I didn't play anywhere past like flag football, so I don't know all the scheme and whatnot, but I know that not many people out there in Philly who are harassing the coaches could do a better job than they are doing. So yeah, like, we just kind of uh, same thing with Brett Brown and the Sixers. Like I played basketball. I get it. But it, it just seems like sometimes there are things going on that are so obvious, even to the everyday fan. And for some reason, the coach isn't catching on to this. Uh, yeah. Like, and that's the hard thing. Like exactly what you just said. I only played up into high school. I played football, but the high school, I've always loved high, like I've always loved football, football, baseball, hockey. You're my, my three things. Like if I'm picking up on what's about to happen, the other team, obviously guys who are getting paid millions of dollars to do this are going to know that on first down, we are running a slant to Zach Ertz when we've been doing it the entire game. Like it, how, how, like what, like, like, ah, uh, it take like anybody <laughs> you don't even you don't even have to have watched many football games to wonder on third and 15 why are we playing like 2 yards behind the yellow line that marks the first down and not putting any sort of pressure on the uh receiver running the route like how many times can you give up a soft pass to Michael Thomas for a first down on third and 16 in the red zone when all you need is a stop like so it was right. it was unbearable uh, uh, I'll defend Jim Schwartz this one time and I, everyone's going to be shocked who are my friends. Cause I've blasted him numerous times, but Jim Schwartz 
stopped their running game for the most part. Alvin Kamara didn't do anything in that playoff game against us. Like he, he was a non-factor. If he, it, it, I'll, I'll take getting torched by Michael Thomas when like we did have two guys kind of on him at all times. Like it's just how many times are you going to let a slant beat you? Especially a slant on third and 15. And like, I knew the slant was coming every time. Like you were sitting there and it's like, it's third and 15. Michael Thomas is getting a slant here and you have, you know, LeBlanc or Maddox or somebody who's obviously a lot smaller than him trying to cover him one-on-one or Jenkins is sitting over the top. And like, it was just pitch and catch for Drew Brees and them. So it's like halftime adjustments weren't there this season. You didn't see like, I get it coming up to halftime. Like, okay, we didn't do anything to stop the slant, but guys like, here's what we're doing on the defense now to stop that from happening. Like it just, it never was there. So like, that's what really frustrated me. But like, I will say like, we looked, we can't blame, like I can't blame the defense for that game. You tell me this, you're holding the saints to 21, 24 points, whatever it was. And I'm, I'm telling you that we're winning that game and going to play LA the next week. Like, so that game falls on our offensive coordinator, not knowing a lick of how to play call and get his receivers in the game. Yeah, I think I I was more on Jim Schwartz. It, it seemed that the third and fifteen was a recurring subject um, in all of those games that you blew big leads. It was it was kind of a smaller example of a larger problem where you would get a big lead, you would get way too safe and not s- step on the throat and keep, keep going strong. Um, I for the last part of the season and that last run, the defense played phenomenal. Some younger guys stepped up and. In that New Orleans game, we lost Fletcher. Uh, we lost Bennett for a minute. I think one of the corners, there was a, a corner who I can't even remember his name, who actually gave up the touchdown on fourth and two. I think number 41. Yeah. He's playing I, in the Alliance it, of American football right now. <laughs> I can't think. Is it Bosby? No, it's not Bosby, is it? No, nah, it, was, it was like the same number as Bosby, but it wasn't Bosby. He was not, I think he was on the practice squad. I know who we're thinking about, but yeah, that's how deep we got into our corners that I'm remembering numbers and not players, but yeah. yeah. So it's like LeBlanc LeBlanc stepped up huge. He gets that pick. I I didn't believe that was real. I was like, wait, that was the first play and we, we, we have the ball now. So, you know what? So like that saints game, this is what I went to right after the game. Like that saints game reminded me completely of the Eagles Vikings game the year before the Vikings came out and put the ball right down our throats. And Oh my God, what just happened? The Vikings just took it to us at home and then a switch flipped and the away team did nothing. And the home team did every, like it just, it gave me that exact same feeling of that game. And like it, it, I mean, it ruined that ruined me, man. Like that's why up 14, nothing. I, I was, there was a guy sitting corner, caddy corner, whatever to me. And he was an obnoxious, uh, Philly fan who was, I mean, beyond over intoxicated. And he was kind of giving Philly that bad name because he didn't know exactly what he was talking about. And he turns to the saints fans and goes, Oh, this reminds me of the Vikings game last year. Like we're going to blow them out. And at that moment, I felt like karma was not going our way. Thanks to this man who overspent on the ticket sitting next to me, who was kind of a jackass. Yeah. So I never felt I, I was, I was thinking 21, nothing. I'm, feeling more comfortable, 28 points. I needed like, I needed a three touchdown cushion going into the third quarter to feel semi calm. I guess I was never, yeah, that's the thing. Like even with a 21 point lead, we watched that happen already this season. Like 
and now you're playing against honestly I thought the Saints were the best team in football they probably still they were and they deserve to be in the Super Bowl and have their trophy this year but they don't so cry about a little more but <laughs> like they were like I, you know I have a coworker who's a Saints fan and me and him talked about it and I said to him whoever comes out of the Eagles Saints game they're going to the Super Bowl like that's how it this they, those were the two I didn't did not have faith in the Rams didn't have any confidence in the Cowboys like it's just that's just how I felt, you know, but it, yeah, that was just, dude, that was, that was I, a game that was tough. I, and it's like, Alshon, you catch that pass and you go down. Like we, we fight like his first drop in a playoff game. And that's, that's the time to have a, a drop. And it was the, it wasn't just a drop. It ricocheted right into the guy's hands. Another thing. And like, it was another moment where I didn't believe it happened where uh, the opening interception was unbelievable that 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 Drew Brees would throw a pick to um, Crave on on the first play. Yeah, I can't just, believe it. And then and then you hear the roar and you I, I sat down and just froze. And that's when it really hits you that the magic runs over the Nick Foles magic run is over. The defense of the Super Bowl is over. Everything was it sounds really negative now because it was not it wasn't the worst ending to the season if you look at how it was going during the Dallas game uh, or after that Dallas game, but it was just one of those moments that you can't believe that that guy dropped the ball and he did so well in the uh, playoffs, the last season and towards that that run. And you know, what's awful though, for me to think back to this now is like last season, he had that same type of drop in the end zone uh, or going to the end zone that falls through him against the Patriots. Yes. That yes. play where he grabs it with one arm and uh, almost pulls in a miraculous catch, but uh, it, was, it, yeah. it was something in that point in the game where it did feel like a extended punt or yeah. it, it worked as a punt. Whereas in this case it ended the season. That was yeah. the only difference. Yeah. And that, and that is, that was kind of, that's what my head went to too. Like, you know, cause everyone starts talking about, Oh, it's his first drop. It's his first drop. Like he did it in the Super Bowl. Like it, it's happened before just, the lights weren't as bright at the time when it happened. It just, it, it just, it was a, it's a rough way to lose it. But at the same time, like, I think there's so much talent still on this team from that Super Bowl run from these additions that Howie's made that like, it's, you know, don't be surprised to see us back. Like if Carson Wentz is healthy and we are not rushing him and making him into Tony Romo, where he hurts his back every year. If he is healthy and he is good, good to go. And his 13 and three Carson that we had, I, I, we are one of the best teams in football and I, it's just, it's how I feel and we'll do great with it. So it's just kind of like, it, are we healthy and can we get through it? That's how it is with a lot of teams. You know, Tom Brady gets hurt. The Patriots are done. Just talking before before I go on some of the moves that they they have done in the offseason, um, looking back to last season and the way that they handled the Carson Wentz uh, issue, do you see it as Carson was struggling on top of injuries or do you see it as totally they they rushed him back and the injuries are 100% why he was struggling? So I'm saying they rushed him back. So here's what I was saying to my buddies in our group chats all year is this Carson Wentz saw Nick Foles come out and win us the first game against the Atlanta Falcons. Carson Wentz had just seen Nick Foles also win this city, their first Super Bowl ever. And Nick Foles is now still on this roster. 
his team that he wanted to win the first Super Bowl for and be the golden boy for this city has now been taken over by this man. Yeah, and I think Carson saw Foles win that first game. And I think it clicked to him that if I'm cleared to go, even if I'm not 100%, I need to be back out there. I want to win over this city. This is just completely what I feel is I think Carson wanted to be out there, wanted to perform, and wanted to show everyone, hey, remember me? I'm the guy that set you up to have complete home you know, home control over the entire playoffs. Like, I'm your guy. I get it. He won one for you, but... And I think Carson being out there half hurt and maybe playing a little scared, I think that then caused him to get this back injury. Who knows if Carson really wasn't told that he had an issue with his back. Maybe it was, if I can go and I can play through it, because he is a tough dude. Like, if I can grit and bear through it, I, I, I can do what I need to do to win games for this team. So, like, I think it was, like, part Carson, part the team, and I think... I kept saying, even when he was healthy, those couple, those, I'm going to say three games that he was fully healthy before the London game. Like when he was healthy, I think he was looking over his shoulder too much. And everyone's like, you got to keep Nick Foles this year. He's got to be his backup. Like you can't just let your Super Bowl MVP walk off the team. And I'm like, until you see Nick Foles out of this lineup, you're going to have a young quarterback who thinks he has to do way too much to impress people, to keep that guy off on, and on the sidelines, it's not healthy. If you want to develop this dude, you got to get rid of the competition if he's your franchise quarterback. If it's not your franchise quarterback, you pull the Jameis Winston and Fitzmagic and you let them duke it out every week because you know neither one of them – you need the guy who's going to show up that week. You know Carson Wentz is your starter, so don't make it harder for him to prepare every week trying to, oh, well, if I can – get away from this guy, I can make this throw. And then you're going to get decleated and mess your back up. So I, I think it was, I think he was looking over his shoulder a little bit too much, but I don't think he was healthy. And I think both of those things messed his season up this year. Yeah, I think it was uh, definitely Carson has to say, uh, I want to come back. But I, I also feel like it was kind of the team, the coaches, the front office who were thinking we need to get our guy back out there so we don't have this controversy coming up, which inevitably became a controversy because they rushed him back out there. Uh, I th if you see a guy who's torn his ACL and you can tell he's not as mobile, or at least he wasn't anywhere near the mobility that he was the year prior. So if you see that, I don't understand how you risk the long-term danger of putting him out there. Like he is a long-term asset. Why rush him out to come back so early? And then again, with the back injury, even when it was announced and it was out there, it was so unclear what they were going to do. They wouldn't announce that he was going on IR. They kept saying, uh, we'll let you know if he's able to play uh, later this week. And it, it was just so confusing as a fan to understand what exactly was going on because of that. And then, then you have Nick Foles get hurt the last game of the season against the Redskins going into your wild card game against the bears. And because you've been so wishy-washy about what ha is going on with Carson Wentz and can this man actually play football right now, you have all the fans saying let's suit up three quarterbacks. And if need be Carson Wentz can go out there and play. Like we've gotten to the point now where it's just like, you have no idea if this dude's actually hurt or if it's just like, you want to ride the hot hand. So it's like, well, if he can't get hurt anymore, like why aren't we playing him? And if he's going to suit up, why isn't he playing? So it's like, 
it, it, we, we were in a fortunate spot to have a backup like Nick Foles, who, in my opinion, I love him to death, is not a 16-game starter or an 18-game starter, how many other games that your team is going to make it through in the season. I think Nick Foles plays his best football when his back's against the wall and he has nothing to lose. You don't really have that luxury as a 16-game starter. But if Nick Foles knew going into the season, I have four games that I'm playing good for, and then I'm getting us through the Vikings game, and then Carson's back. Maybe, maybe you start the season off, you only lose to the Bucks. Maybe you know, and and then Carson's back. He he, his mechanics didn't look right week two, and I don't know if he ever got them back. So it's. You know, it's a it it sucks that we messed it up. Like you had the ability because you had a good backup quarterback. I don't do that with Nate Sudfeld this year. I do not let Car- if Carson Wentz is eighty percent and ready to go week one. I, I would rather Carson out there than Nate Sudfeld. It, it, but if I had Nick Foles, I'm going to let Nick Foles play until Carson's one hundred percent. That's just how I feel about it. Yeah, and it definitely seemed like he was uh, sailing a lot of balls because he couldn't. It seemed like he couldn't plant on that on that knee. Who knows, but we're moving forward now and I'll admit it. I, I am a sucker for Nick Foles. I, I, I loved him when he first came through. I don't, I wrote a big old, like 13,000 word four part article about it. Mainly love him to death. I will disagree. I think he's a completely different quarterback than uh, the person that we saw the first time around. And I do think he can do it for 16 games is it's not on the level that Carson Wentz can do it. It's a different type of quarterback. But I think uh, being, what, three or four years older, he still has a lot of time. So I think Jacksonville got a good uh, – I think he's in a good position in Jacksonville. I'm happy he went there and not New York. I think the best situation for him is Jacksonville because they're going to rely on the run. I think the biggest thing we saw when he had Chip Kelly is – and even with us this last year, he took some unnecessary – like he stepped up in the pocket and got clobbered sometimes, which sometimes you don't need to do. And I think that led to some of his injuries, his first go around with us, which then he wasn't around. You put Vic back out there and you play a carousel. But, you know, I I love Nick Foles to death. I hope he I I would love to buy his jersey in Jacksonville and support the hell out of him. But I don't know if I don't know if he's a 16 game starter. We'll see. I think Jeff Fisher is a bad coach in St. Louis. You have to throw all of that tape out. So, yeah. Oh, yeah. Jeff Fisher. Not a good quarterback coach whatsoever. And really the time he spent in Kansas city really helped him out. I did a lot of uh, research on that when I wrote that article. So I, I gained a lot of respect for him just because of how much he's gone through. Um, so I wish him the best of luck, but it's Carson's team. Now it's a team that doesn't have a great running back still. And we go out and early on uh, we're signing Deshaun Jackson. I love getting Deshaun Jackson back, but I thought with, DJ coming back, we'd see Nelly go, but we've decided to keep Nelly as well. How do you feel about investing so much in wide receivers and not focusing on the running game? It's a lot of money tied up in wide receivers. That's exactly where my brain went to first without even knowing that's where you're going with it. I mean, we have what, like 7 million to Deshaun 11 plus to Alshon and Nelly's getting like nine, nine, so nine million for a Nelly for the, <laughs> probably the third receiver. So like it's insane that we and then you have uh, you have Zach Ertz who's has his contract that he has you know we we have a lot of money tied up into our passing game yes it surprises me 
that we didn't make a push for a running back that's out there. I'm actually upset that we didn't sign Tevin Coleman. Like Tevin Coleman was my guy. I thought he would fit into this offense that Doug runs because we're not running the ball every play. We're obviously never going to run the ball. We're going to be throwing the ball. And when we do run it, we just need you to get a couple yards, get us into a manageable second down. Maybe, you know, it's, it's third and eight and we need you to get us to third and three or third and four. Like we just needed a guy to get us a couple yards here and there. And I thought Tevin fit that, especially for $5 million a year. Like I wanted to see some money go to a Tevin Coleman and then draft like a Benny Snell jr. Out of, out of Kentucky or like go after the kid out of Alabama who I'm like blanking on his name right now, Jacobs. So it's like, there's so many different like guys that like even Miles Sanders at a Penn state could fit into the way that we run our offense. So I, I get not going after Le'Veon Bell and not giving him $17 million. Like I didn't want, like if I wanted Le'Veon, it's a $12 million contract and that's not, like, it's not what he's going to do. So it's like, I get not going after these big name guys, but to not have any running back come through our doors yet kind of hurts. But to think back to it, like, what what did Fip do out in Minnesota? He didn't use Dalvin Cook. He didn't use Latavius Murray. Like he's from this Doug Peterson tree of coaches, and we didn't run the ball last year. So maybe it's just it's the system that we run that we don't want this big name guy. We want to look, and even how he doesn't draft running backs early. I don't know if any of the running backs on our roster we drafted before the fourth round. Like Adams is uh, unrestricted free agent. Corey Clement, unrestricted free agent. You had Pumphrey in like the third or fourth round. Like that was we're awful. not, we're not investing in running backs. It's, it's yeah. clear that these guys are devaluing the running back position. So I'm not totally shocked that we're spending all this money on these wideouts because if that's what, if we're going to play the air it out game, great. It's just not the way that football used to be played that we're used to, you know, the, the Deuce Daly's and the Jerome Bettis is where you, you have a bell cow, but. You know, I, I, I was in on Tevin Coleman. I was in on Mark Ingram, even though he's a jackass for what he was doing yeah. after Eagles games and stuff, you know, he, he would have been a great fit to what we needed. What do you think about, uh, LeGarrette Blunt? Would you bring Blunt back? Man, I thought he, his presence was someone that we really missed. I like, like you said, Tevin Coleman really fit the system, but I think a North to South runner is something that's really useful on first and second down. I think LeGarrette Blunt is great to come back on a, a short, um, low budget contract. He he probably wants to come back to Philadelphia. I thought uh, we were really missing him. Uh, like you said, Benny Snell. I really uh, think he is someone you could snag in like the third round. Where the thing is, running backs these days, and we sound old. We sound like grandfathers <laughs> when we when we say this, but. Running backs these days, you see great running backs come out of the third and the fourth round. When you look at uh, the what the heck's the guy from the Seahawks? He was like uh, uh, Car- Carson or yes, Chris Carson. Chris yeah. Carson comes late in the draft, and you're just seeing guys that come out later in the draft. Uh, you have your Saquon Barkley, who's a special talent coming in the first round, but you can steal a good back in the third or fourth round and. I personally wanted to see them go for Jordan Howard uh, midseason out of Chicago. I feel like he's not being used. Uh, he wasn't being used correctly at the time in Chicago, and he's someone who can provide that uh, LeGarrette Blunt esque type of um, you know running attack, but with more talent. It's tough though with Jordan Howard. Like, and here's the only thing that I'm thinking with Jordan Howard: I think he's a great running back. Does he fit the system? Like, 
you're watching another another Kansas City coach in Nagy who runs a similar type offense, a similar type system that Doug has from Andy. I mean, this is the same crap that we saw with Andy. We don't run the ball. Even when you have a Brian Westbrook, you're not giving him the ball. Like it stuff like that. Like the only time we really got into running it was when we had Shady. So it's like would if we're running a similar system to the Bears, is Jordan Howard going to kind of have some of the same issues that he had this year that made Tevin Col- or not Tevin Coleman that made um uh, whoever his backup is that I'm because I'm all on Tevin Coleman right now, Tariq Cohen that yes. made Tariq Cohen look like the running back that he is. So I like Jordan Howard. Does he fit the system? Maybe. Um, yeah. I feel like he's the kind of like LeGarrette Blunt's a guy that you would look at and say, this guy doesn't fit our system. But at the same time, it, but he we perfect. give everybody so much credit during that Super Bowl run. It actually was LeGarrette Blunt with a huge touchdown run in both the Vikings game and the Super Bowl that, you know, not a lot of people talk about that, but he was really a force on this team that we needed and it hurt all year not having him. Is that the transition that you're going to make into from LeGarrette Blunt running over the safety that we just signed today? Oh, or That's right. <laughs> I saw, I, we made him look like a little B word, yeah, but yep. uh, Andrew Sandejo is now an Eagle. So we love him now. We, we, Trash talked and said he was garbage going into that game. During that game, we made that defense look like a bunch of little weaklings. (laughs) But now we got him. So he's a man. He's a bird. He's the best third safety I've ever seen. You know, what are you thinking? He's better than Corey Graham. Corey Graham, please get off our roster. Do not pass go. Do not collect $200. Thank you for your service in the Super Bowl. But pack your bag and get the hell out. That just, that's all Like just, I'm, I'm glad he's on our team. He actually might have to start the first four weeks, depending on how Rodney, Rodney McLeod's rehabs coming back. So from a depth standpoint, I mean, we saw it last year in our secondary, we had three guys get hurt in our secondary and we were trying to figure out who from the practice, like Braxton Miller was practicing cornerback. Like things had gotten that bad throughout the season. So like any depth is good depth. I mean, I, 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 I will say, I like Avante Maddox playing safety. I might like him a little more at safety than I like him at corner just because of how small he is. I think he plays that ball hockey type very well. And he, he sits back, he can sit into routes and he can see what's going on a lot better at the safety position. I think he's still a very good corner. And I think you could almost see him start to take over that role that Malcolm Jenkins has kind of, so when you need him to roll down, he rolls down and, and can cover someone in the slot or, someone be a little faster there and you, you bring in your third, you know, your third safety. So maybe that's kind of what's going on. We want to get him some more work at D back. So it's easier to transition back into safety as opposed to, you know, safety to corner. Um, but yeah, I, I really thought going into the season that we were going to have Maddox play more at corner or at safety than at corner. But I mean, now it looks like Jalen Mills is fighting for his job with, with the, with the additions at, in le- with the additions at safety, because, are you really going to try and keep four safeties when you really only play three? Like if you can have a corner who's versatile, why need, why four, you know, Same Ross. Then, I mean, I was kind of surprised. I don't know how you felt about them bringing Darby back uh, this year. I kind of thought they were going to cut ties with him. It feels like they have where they had a lot of issues in the secondary last season. It seems like there's a lot of bodies there, uh, whether they're all like someone like LeBlanc, who knows what he's going to do. He can be a good backup. Now maybe he can play some, but 
there's a lot of guys between Darby. You got Bills, Maddox, and you still have Sidney Jones. What's what's to make of him? And there's just so many players with question marks. We we complained the whole first half of the season with Darby, with Mills, with Jones. Then we got those guys like Bowsby and who knows what. But <laughs> guy, you know, a guy like Craven LeBlanc stepped up. Um, I'm blanking on the name right now. I don't know why I'm blanking on the name, but he played really well. Oh, what is his name? You're giving me time <laughs> to look up stats. Like I appreciate it right now. Oh, uh, making me look like an idiot that I can't remember <laughs> his name. He said there was a lot of complaints about him early on in the season. And then he really stepped up big in the Dallas game. Um, and he played big all through the postseason. God, what is his name? Do you remember the guy that tipped the ball in the Dallas game when we lost in overtime? Russell Douglas? Yes. Thank you. I got Russell, you. Sorry. If I would have been paying attention a little more. <laughs> Rasul played really well in the second half of the season and is somebody to watch, I think. He, so Rasul finally looked like the corner that we drafted him to be out of West Virginia. So it's like going into the season, like, I'm okay bringing Darby back. Probably isn't going to be ready for the first four weeks. So it's like the contract we gave him one year, $8.5 million. Like that's not really a prove it deal. Like I was thinking he's coming back for like a $5 million prove it deal contract. He's been hurt the two years that we've had him on the team. Like, and I I wish he posted an Instagram post of basically what his first seven games were this season and like he actually ha- statistically had good numbers the first couple games. Like you think about it, like he he was wasn't he he was on Julio in the end zone on that last play. It wasn't Mills yeah, this I year. Think it, I think it was him this year. So it's like he had a couple plays where like you know Julio didn't have that good of a game against us this year. So it's like I'm okay bringing him back for eight million dollars though. He's not really healthy. Like the reason Kansas city didn't sign him is he couldn't pass the physical. I get you can't pass a physical with a torn ACL still, but like, you know, like it's a lot of money. It's a lot of money. Like it, it, I like this. I liked the signing before I knew the contract because I do like him as a player. And I think he does lock down one side of the field. Like he shuts everything down, which is really nice. But then like, yeah, I like Douglas. I, I'm I, I liked Sidney Jones. I found his cell phone at at the parade. I yeah, gave I, it I back was, to him. Like you just hit my bridge. <laughs> I was gonna bridge this into the next story. But man, uh, like he's so, he doesn't look like he cares about football. He just he doesn't look like he he can't keep. He always is pulling a hamstring. He he just and. You're pulling hamstrings because you're not stretching right. You're not taking care of your body. You're not doing the things in the offseason you need to do so that you're explosive or you're not practicing hard. So your body's not used to you actually being explosive and you get hurt. Like, I I wish the kid – the kid has so much talent in the world. You saw it at Washington. He would have been a top 10 pick had he not torn his Achilles. You just you haven't seen it from him yet. And you're seeing guys like Douglas and LeBlanc, who if you had to tell me without seeing preseason or anything this year, who are the Eagles cornerbacks? I don't know if Sidney Jones makes this team. Yeah, like it's, he's, he's had such a rough journey and, and it could just be a transition into college or from college into the pros that he hasn't made well, whether it be his habits or just that he hasn't, I don't know, gotten up to speed with what it takes to live day to day 
in the NFL. I don't know. I know it's a lot more physical and a lot high, uh, stronger. It's like getting the strongest player on every division one, huge football team and saying, here you go. Good luck, but <laughs> have fun, <laughs> have fun. When you have that kind of talent, I don't, I don't know. Uh, the thing that I see with Darby and, uh, you know, stats say one thing, then you have the eye test. I, something that just sticks in my mind is in that Titans game, getting burnt on a double move. And he it, occasion, it seems like all Eagles cornerbacks have a tendency to jump too early and just get toasted. And you can't be doing that because that hurts you immensely. So I think it was after the Titans game too. Now that you brought that all that up, we, I want to say it was Ray Dittinger because I usually remember what he says on the post game. He brings up, he brought up how we continually get burnt by the double move with our cornerbacks and how we have yet. Do you know the last cornerback that the Eagles drafted that actually became successful on this roster? We don't have like none of them have become successful. We haven't developed a cornerback. Eric since Rowe. <laughs> good, good luck in Miami, buddy. Um, we haven't developed a corner really since Lido Shepard and Sheldon Brown. Like, well, do we start talking? Like, we talk about our defensive coordinator, our offensive coordinator. I'm about to throw a little bit of shade at our defensive backs coach who has been here since Chip Kelly era, and we haven't seen squat come out of any of these cornerbacks like Eric Rowe, like Rasul Douglas, like. Sydney Jones. I mean, you're, you, we have all these guys that we've spent like second round picks on or third round picks on that are like, this guy has the talent. He just needs good coaching. Then we just throw them like even Jalen Mills. Like I'm not going to forget about him. Like he has the talent he can play. He just has off the field issues or he has this or that, that he has to straighten out. And we just don't seem to get it right with any of these guys who are playing D back. Like we can, we can look at Jim Schwartz all we want, but like maybe these position, this position coach, like, doesn't know what he's doing because if we can't tell someone like, what was it? Three Carson Wentz's rookie year, Odell Beckham and Sterling, not, it might've been just Sterling Shepard and just was running a slant route against us the entire freaking game. And we lost to the giants when we should have beat them. Like, and then you go bite on the slant route and you get beat on a double move. Like it, it just, for the last three years, we've been seeing the same thing over and over and you see a double move and like Drew Brees throws the ball up to Mike Thomas and you know, there's no one standing back there because they bit on the little in and now they're around. So, and that's, that's a great point actually, because the defensive line is a brick wall. They are just solid. Uh, you lose Bennett. Now he was helpful, especially in the second half of the season, but then you Goodbye. gain, Malik, <laughs> you gain Malik Jackson, uh, right back. You get BG back. Uh, how do you feel about bringing him back? Love, love bringing Brandon Graham back. I'm actually completely okay letting Timmy Jernigan walk away from this contract that we gave him uh, two years ago. I'm okay with that. Um, it, you know, not the biggest fan of Michael Bennett off the field. Uh, on the field as a player, you you can't you can't take away what he did. I mean, he was a he was a great piece for the defense. Um, played D tackle a lot next to Cox while Timmy Jernigan wasn't there. So like he was very versatile and played everything that we needed to. But honestly, like the fact that he came out and said he didn't, he didn't want to take a pay cut. He wanted to keep his contract and didn't want to be about the team so that how we could fix the salary cap issues that we were like, it showed that he was a me guy. I mean, you see guys like, I want to say Lane Johnson's playing for $1 million this oh, year on his contract. Sort of, like, he, he took a huge cut and 
Uh, somebody else took a huge cut. I can't. It was definitely Lane Johnson that stuck yeah. in my mind. That he took Lane a has cut. one one that was huge. Jason Peters restructured his deal. Like those are the guys that you want to have in the locker room because it's like those are their team guys. They're the top. Like, and I'm really hoping Carson does it when he gets his contract. Like, you want a Tom Brady guy in the locker room where it's like, you know what? Yeah, I could take the Aaron Rodgers $200 million contract that you can give me because I deserve it. But you know what? Keep a hundred million of that and go get me a freaking left tackle that isn't on his second left knee. Like, you know, like we, we need more pieces around. So when Bennett said he wanted to keep his contract and then said, I want more money. I'm okay. Getting rid of him. It was a great year that we had you. You really helped out, but go have fun in new England with your brother where I'm done with you. You know? Yeah, man, it's a, this is such an such the opposite of a me team. And you look at a guy like Jason Peters who takes a cut for this last year, and I, I think he understands what he is right now. He still has the ability. When you watch him shut down Khalil Mack in that Chicago game, you're thinking, how is this guy still doing it? He is playing. He He breaks very often. It's tough to get through an entire game. But he shut down Khalil Mack, and I can't think of anybody who can uh, be more solid in that blind side position right now. I'm hoping Mylotta, or however you pronounce his last yep. name, I, I would love to see him turn into something. He said in an interview somewhere, and that is the most vague description of anything, but he <laughs> said in an interview somewhere that he was working very hard last season and almost got some reps. So if that's true, if we could have a transition period where JP plays but allows Milata to kind of be under his wing and JP rides off in the sunset after this season and then we have a left tackle in there for the future that's a position that is so just key I don't even want to say underrated because I think it's understood that your left tackle protects your quarterback's life yeah so um I, the cutting of Steven Wisnitsky if he's a Penn Stater, I should be able to say his name right. Um, Wisniewski, I think. Wisn- it was, yeah, right? yeah, yeah. It's so W I S N I E W S K I. However, you guys want to say that, say it. But when we cut him, it almost and then we re-signed JP. You also are going to miss your guard and Brandon Brooks for who knows how many games this year because he's got the Achilles injury from the Saints game. So it's like, is JP going to make the move to guard now? Like. You know, it is a little easier. It's, 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 you know, less gruesome, less strenuous. You let Isaac play on the right side, maybe put JP at left guard and, and you throw Mayada out there at, at left tackle. I don't want to move Lane Johnson from right side to left side. I think we tried that experiment once. It didn't really work out the way we expected it. Maybe it's different if he's got a whole off season to prepare for it, but I don't think you mess with the best right tackle and basically have two brand new tackles for a team. Um, so uh, it's going to be interesting to see what happens with the offensive line, because like you got Kelsey back on um, a one year deal this year. And then you have Isaac resign. You got Lane Johnson on his contract, but outside of that, like you don't, you haven't seen too much. Like Vitae has been so up and down. You don't know ever what's So it's like, you got to hope you got to hope you got to hope that this kid, the rugby player figures it out. You know, I mean, I, I hope he does too. It's the first name that comes to my head is what's he going to do? Is he going to step up? Is he going to do anything? Are we going to see him take the reps when, what, not if, 
when JP gets hurt this year. Yeah. You know, it, it, and you wonder, are they going to spend an early draft pick on a lineman? You, the, I think that's going to be the tell. If Milata really has a chance, then we're not going. Because I think Greg Little is, I think that ugh, we'll start here. Try With again. some technical difficulties, I had the chance to look, and Greg Little is the name of the lineman. So whoop de do. My question to you is, what do you think is the number one, whether it be someone who's been added to the team already or something that they're going to assess in the upcoming months. What do you think is the key to this team? The key to this team, man. Um, that's a tough one. I, I guess that's kind of a tough question because you could, I, I would say that the key to the team, if that was the actual question would be Carson Wentz and how he comes back. So I guess what addition did they really, really need uh, going into this season or if they lost somebody who was key, I don't know what, what, what addition do you feel is really going to make this team back to that level where uh, we're contending for the Super Bowl? Uh, yeah. And I think that's kind of the route I was thinking of it in my head. Cause I didn't want to take the easy out with Carson Wentz. Um, Cause I, your quarterback is the, the most valuable spot. But I think with um, man, I, I you asked me two days ago, I would have said, I would have said our secondary you asked me today. I'm going to say our offensive line. I think the three biggest things that we need to still hit on running back offensive line and our, our linebackers actually. Yeah. Cause you, you, you watch a guy like, um, Oh my God, Jordan uh, Hicks is gone. Yeah. Hicks, Hicks, Hicks is in Arizona. Arizona. Yeah. So you, you watch, you watch a linebacker go, you're going to see probably Brad will move back to the inside. So I, I wouldn't be shocked to see us use a first round pick on like an outside outside linebacker or something that could actually step in and, and contribute from day one. Um, I think, yeah, probably I would linebacker offensive line and running back. I can't pick one. Those are my three biggest needs that we still need to fill for it to be a successful offseason. Yeah. We've, we've made some good moves, but like, I don't think we've made enough moves to get back to the Super Bowl yet. Yeah, I, th- I I was definitely going to go with the linebacker. Um, Jordan Hicks, he played well sometimes, but I thought last year, even when he wasn't injured, he wasn't uh, living up to his potential that he had prior set. So yeah. I think linebacker is a key spot. That's kind of the bridge between the uh, defensive line and the secondary. If they can try and solidify that secondary, they have the bodies. They just have to figure out who goes there. I almost think you can scoop by without running back this year. I think... Um, I, I want to give Clement one more year to kind of prove himself. Last year was such a disappointment. I want to see him come back and show us that player who existed in the Super Bowl. Yeah, it's so tough with Clement because, like, I love him. Like, I love him as a player. Like, I'm screaming at the TV asking why he's not playing. Like, it doesn't make sense this whole season. Like, yeah, he's, he has a nagging injury. Like, you saw it at Wisconsin. He his his biggest the biggest thing on him was he wasn't available. He was getting hurt all the time. So I don't know if that's if he had just, I don't want to say it was a fluke year, but he had a year where he was able to stay healthy because he wasn't getting as many reps because he was running with, you know, blunt and Ajayi. So when he was running the ball, like he could be more, he could be productive. Like it just, it didn't look like the full picture that we saw last year when we tried to make him the bell cow. Like he, he never got going in a game. It didn't feel like, like he'd have those couple plays, but it was never anything big. Like, yeah, I, I agree. I would love to see him 
get a bigger role. I, there's something about this Benny Snell kid that I can't get over that I really like watching him torch Penn state in that, in that bowl game, like Snell. Yeah. Y- you have that it factor for running backs. And he looks like he has the it factor of like a Le'Veon bell who nobody talked about. Like no one talks about he's a late round draft pick and he can really help out. I, nobody's talking about this name and I'm going to throw it out here to you and put you on the spot now. Oh, God. Jay Ajayi, man. Nobody wants him. He's got to be cheap. Yeah, if he's cheap, you know, there's a certain level of cheapness, I guess, where you have to weigh the the fact that his knees are not built to run a full season. So I guess that's where he fits. I guess that's where he fits in on this team in that he can run. Um, no one you know, has knees. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's awful and uh you know before i assess your question can we just go over the fact that like philadelphia medicine in general sports medicine all these teams seem to have some sort of issue with their medical staff i I don't know do you follow the sixers very closely yes so like you see what's going on with every single draft pick ever that's come to the team uh, that is out for a year and then gets some sort of allergic reaction to a soy product or whatever in the facility it, and loses like 40 pounds. It could, it could just be Sam Hinkie's motto. You know, you, you get the draft pick, you tank, you, you tank for the extra year, you get another high pick and you keep rolling that way. But yeah, man, it, it seriously does. Like, it, I don't know. It, it could just be bad luck. Cause like, I can't even blame this on our medical staff. You spend $330 million on Bryce Harper and he takes a 96 mile an hour freaking fastball to his ankle. Like we just can't catch a break. Like now luckily nothing broke. Like, thank, thank God. You. But thank like, yeah, God. Like, yeah. <laughs> but, like, come on. Like what? Like I don't even know who Zaire Smith, that's who the Sixers drafted this year. Right. Yeah. He just finally played for the first time. Like, what is it with these draft picks and like, or he finally was able to be on the roster because he's healthy now. Like, yeah, I think he's playing on the, the G League blue coats and don't even get started on the Markel Fultz thing. Oh, that I'm glad you said his name. So now I can feel okay saying it. What a bum, dude. Oh like, my God, man. I, I, I tried, I tried to defend him for the longest time just because I felt bad for the kid. But at a certain point, you're just a freaking diva who has a mental block. Stop trying to make up diseases and then throw shade at the team when you're introduced to the magic. But I am so glad Markel Fultz is gone. I am so glad the GM that thought it was a good idea to trade draft picks to your rival to swap picks with them and then still give them the player that they wanted at pick three instead of making them like the way that you shove it to the Celtics when you make that trade is you draft Jason Tatum instead of Markel Fultz and you say, thank you for your pick and your player. Enjoy. Could you imagine Jason Tatum on this roster? Uh, I imagine it every time we play the Celtics, <laughs> man. Like, dude. Every time that we get toasted by the Celtics, you'd think, wow, what if we had that guy who just toasted us? Oh, wait. We had the chance to have that guy. and We, we traded up. Markel Fultz. to get that guy without trading. Yeah. It, it, and you know what? If you wanted that guy, yes, you had to trade for him because that's who the Celtics were taking. The Celtics were never taking Markel Fultz. Never, ever, never, ever, ever, never, ever, ever, never. The Celtics just wanted draft picks and they wanted to see who they could get. And guess what? 
They got who they wanted plus extra draft picks, and they played us like a fiddle. And they do it every time we play them. And that is why I hate Markel Fultz, because it's his damn fault that it happened. <laughs> because we well, needed a point guard. <laughs> it was, oh, I, I, I've talked about this on regular podcasts, so I'm not going to delve too deep into it. But just when you look at how he performed at Washington, that wasn't first overall performance. Like, come on. I'm so glad you come said on. that, because I say that to people every time. There are guys like Ben Simmons or other players like Zion Smith. Zion Williams, I almost said Zion Smith, (laughs) Zion Williams, who come out of a draft, who are a complete difference maker at their college. And you know, the second that they come out, that they are worthy of the number one pick in the draft. There is no question like that is the guy. And if there isn't a, that guy you draft for need at that point, like it's just as simple with that's how basketball works. It, that draft, there was no, that guy, Lonzo ball, did not look good. Like, yes, he carried UCLA. So like my eye test, whenever I'm looking at these college prospects, what did you do when the season mattered? Did you get your team to the tournament? Even if you're on a really crappy team, you can get your team into the tournament. Like you look at CJ McCullough with Lehigh, not the greatest team, got them into the tournament. What made a name for himself? I didn't know who Markel Fultz was until what he won two games at Washington. Like you didn't hear about him until <laughs> he the like, draft. He had like four games over 20 points. I mean, even with Ben Simmons, I looked at that team and I thought, yeah, he's an exceptional talent, but they didn't perform well. I think his team didn't make the tournament either. If I recall, I don't think they, don't think they did either, but that's just something that rubs me the wrong way. When I think if a player is good enough to go number one overall, they should be good enough to lead their team into the tournament. It doesn't, especially if you're at a power five school, it is not. Now I'm saying this as, you know, like a guy who can jump three inches, but it's not that hard to lead a team into the tournament. If you're a number one overall pick, I guess that's, I, if you can't do did you hear my rant? <laughs> uh, I got to the part of the rant where you said it's not that hard to lead your team into. <laughs> All right. So I'm going to start up again and reiterate the fact that I can jump about three inches, but it's not that hard to lead your team into the NCAA tournament. Like it's not that hard to get a berth if you're a power five school and you're a number one overall prospect that Even should be the first pick in the NBA draft. If you're, if you're a decent player, like it just is it just, it happened like, and I say the name CJ McCullough because we saw it. That's where we're from. We watched him at Lehigh. We saw him ball out. Like he was the reason that Lehigh was so good in that tournament, in that run. And the Sixers also blew that the year that they needed a guard and did refuse to trade up for him. Like I just, <sighs> they have a, they have an interesting strategy where they, either pass on people they should draft or, you know, they draft them, uh, get the entire city excited and then trade them, uh, like 20 minutes later. Are we talking about the guy from Villanova? whose mom worked for the Sixers? Yeah. The guy who was the perfect stretch three who could shoot and drive and was going to sell millions of jerseys just off the home hometown love for him. Yes. He he might've already sold jerseys, but before he got traded from the, the Sixers away, for a player who I couldn't remember his name today and also um, 
I realized that I never um, answered your question about JHI because we went off on a rant about the 76ers. And our uh, medical staff. <laughs> which I love. I love that we've just got this. This is this is class A Philly discussion. Um, yeah. JHI, I'll take him back if he's going for like a severe discount, which I guess at this point he's going for, right? He has to at this point. Like It's almost like bring a Jai bring blunt back let's just get the let's get the band, get the back, band together back together for another one <laughs> yes <laughs> i love it i love it we'll see what happens i'm i'm actually going to put up a poll on uh the twitter if you want to follow us we're at flying high pod and i'm going to ask uh, what position is most important for this team to assess before the beginning of the season. We talked about linebackers. We talked about the offensive line and we talked about running backs. So you can give your hashtag fan perspective. That's P H a N perspective. Let me know what you think. I guess the last thing we have to discuss, we kind of covered so much Eagles that it's overwhelming. The last thing I want to touch on before we call it a night is the Phillies because we um, somehow acquired a player for 13 years, a lot of money, and he's going nowhere. How do you feel about this squad? You know, I loved it. I loved my Bryce Harper Jersey is in the mail. It is on the way. Should be here from China soon because I'm not spending. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) China jersey. That is exactly what I said when they were coming out. I was like, enjoy your fanatics jerseys. I will wait for mine from China. Yep. It should be here. It shipped. So three to five business days. I will know when it's going to actually be here. I was hoping my Saquon Barkley jersey would be here for Penn state's blue white game, but I don't think that's happening anyway. um, Bryce Harper, 13 years, $330 million equals number three, stupid money. Um, I love it, man. Like it, 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 it brings something it brings a character to this team that we haven't seen since the World Series run. We have yeah, Hoskins is good, Nola's great, but there's still young talent in the they're young. They're not that iconic player in the league yet. Like like a Harper, a Trout, you know, you, we don't have one of those guys yet. So it's kind of like it's a it's a good feeling to see Harper now come out here 13 13 years, 330 million. And we're, we're paying him. I love the contract. Like I get, we're paying him until he's 40 years old to, to be in pinstripes. So he's probably not going to play all 13 of those years. And we're going to have to dump that contract at some point, but he's going to be able to recruit people to this city like no other. And I'm not even just talking to Phillies. You're going to see big name guys come in and, and it'll be just like when KD was trying to decide what team to go play for. And you got Brady and Garnett and all those guys in Boston trying to sway him to come sign with the Celtics. And we have a guy here who's, who is willing to say, you know what? Yeah. Philadelphia fans have said mean things to me when I've played here before, but I want to call this place home because of the fans that we see around here. So I love it, dude. And I'm, I'm I can't wait for, for trout to come home. Um, <laughs> I think that's going to be awesome to put the two of them in the outfield together. I love Aaron Nola bought his Jersey too. Man. He's the guy that took a discount. If you want to talk about people taking discounts, he was basically like Bryce Harper, come to the team. I'll take what? Four years, 10 million a year. Go get me some defense so that I stop losing games. (laughs) One to nothing. Every time I freaking pitch because we can't score a single run. 
So go get someone who can just bomb the ball out of the outfield because you made this ballpark to be Pat Burrell's home. And now it's <laughs> going to be Bryce Harper's home. So I love it, dude. I love the Bryce Harper signing. It's, he he fits he fits into our ballpark, which will be real nice. A couple MVP seasons from him definitely coming. Got it's gotta. Oh no doubt. And immediately upon the signing, that stadium is filled and packed back to the days of 2008 when they sold out like two years straight. And there's nothing like Citizens Bank Park, full and rowdy. He, and- yep, dude. He signed. Me and everyone back from Suddenly High Group in a group chat texting about who's going to Thursday night's opening opening night game, opening day game. It's like three o'clocker, and who's going to watch it? Who's all taking off work to do it? I almost bought twenty five tickets on the Philly site in the four hundred level with everyone, and then I realized that I have to be here to work on my house because my dad's flying in like the day before, and I totally spaced on that. That's how excited I was for Bryce Harper. So like, <laughs> it's it's it it's going to be nuts. Like what, what's going to like world series contenders. Like you, you have to say that when you talk about the Phillies now, like they are a legit contender. I, I don't, I don't love the bullpen still. I mean, we've made some good additions. Is it enough? I, I don't know. Yeah, we'll see. I mean, just the lineup. We, we did an episode last week on the lineup and it's unbelievable, man, how a team that, performed really well last season. Their star players aside from like Reese Hoskins are now hitting six through nine and you filled that in with three all-stars. So not a bad off season. It's an off season that you haven't seen from like any MLB team really ever. Like you you see one big name, but you don't see a, a Kutch, a a Harper and all like you, it's just, it's, it's insane, man. You yeah, know? and it, pr- it prompted my dad to re-up his season tickets. So I have that. I, I just want to fly home like <laughs> once every two weeks to go watch the Phillies play now sure. because baseball's yeah. back. The, the, the city of Philadelphia, our sports towns are back except for the Flyers. Yeah. Uh, well, they're still like they're getting by considering where they were at you know, a month into the season, like they are getting by, but we shouldn't just like, yeah, I know that's what? a terrible mindset. It was, <laughs> you sound like the North Car- dude, you've lived here too long. You sound <laughs> like the law. It's no, there's no getting by here. We are winners. Okay. I want people that want to win. I need you to brand me with the four for four tattoo right now. So I remember who I am. Yeah. For real, man. Come on. No, but like, I completely agree with you. Like I don't care about hockey because of the flyers. Like, and I went through that with the Sixers for the last like five years where it's just like, if I have nothing else to do and I'm bored at the house, oh, the Sixers are on. Cool. I'll put them on. Like now I'm interested in, Oh, the Sixers have a game on like, Oh, Sixers are playing Milwaukee. Cool. Like let's throw that on. Got to see Tobias Harris and the boys like go to town. Like it's, But with the Flyers, it's like you're wild card spot coming up. Like you, you are contending. You're seven points out or whatever you were out, and then you trade what you trade Wayne Simmons away. I get it. He's not coming back next year. Like you don't plan on having him around anymore. Like you want to get whatever you can for him. But like if you are actually in on this year, like that to me was throwing in the towel. I can't stand it when my team just says, "Now we're fighting and we're contending," but we're done. Good luck. Like, it's not how you sell tickets in Philadelphia. Ask the ask the Phillies about uh, playing in front of a stadium that has no fans in it. 
it's uh, not not a fun time for no. the team, no doubt. And my co-host Justin is the big Flyers guy on the podcast, so I'll have to uh, get his take on that um, in the, in one of the upcoming episodes because he he is a uh, he is a really diehard Flyer fan, and it's been a tough year on him as it has all diehard Flyers fans. It's like it's just been so up and down and. You never know what's going on with them, but and well, that's hockey talk. <laughs> that's hockey. <laughs> and the Philadelphia Union are a soccer team. <laughs> yeah, uh, we're touching all the sports. I think we got the Wings are playing now in uh, ten bucks to go watch an indoor lacrosse game. If that's your fancy, didn't they leave, didn't they leave Philadelphia because they hate us though? Because we got rid of their stadium to build the Xfinity Live Center. Was that the the lacrosse team? I don't know. I think they're still ours, but I don't think, I think they like Philadelphia anymore. I don't I know. I think they came home or something. <laughs> I think my favorite thing driving home from <laughs> Philly is that like almost every year there's a billboard up that the Philadelphia Soul are the national champions again, and we don't care anymore. <laughs> there was a time where we threw them a parade because we didn't have any champions. I'm pretty sure they get a parade every year too. Really? I. Don't we just, we just don't, don't care. Anymore. I just I think it's like we're just that like <laughs> Jaworski's just so good at being an owner with Bon Jovi or whatever. Like <laughs> these two men have just taken over the AFL and we are the Patriots and have more Super Bowl rings in this league than <laughs> yeah, dude. I remember when that when they won their first one, everyone was oh, oh we got was, a championship. Yeah. Yep. Oh, how the times have changed, man. How the times have changed. Now I'm just. Carson Wentz, get back on the damn field. <laughs> I want to get a story before uh, you go. I know I forgot to ask about this earlier, but can you just tell us about the Sidney Jones experience at, at that Super Bowl parade? Yeah, so let's let's dive into this as much as we can. So uh, 4 a.m., I got to my post at that little fenced area right by the art museum stairs uh, for this Super Bowl parade. Um it was cold, man. Were you at the parade? Yeah, I went down at 2 a.m. <laughs> yeah, 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 same boat. I think that's when we left. And so by 4 o'clock, we, like, were fully hunkered in. And, like, you know, it was a good time. Um, dude, there's people. I, I'll just never forget just seeing people in tents, like, just set up everywhere. Like, awesome. So we decided we're going to stand right on the right, right by the end of the art museum so that we could see like all the TVs and everything and then see the players and they get off the bus or whatever. So we're all there hanging out or whatever. And none of us really knew like because like th- they didn't have TVs for us to see like the parade being broadcasted when it started. So we were all just kind of like standing there awkwardly like the whole beginning. But then all of a sudden like you see like the players just like running up and down the streets like these buses coming and like all these players getting off the bus, like right in front of us and like running up to the fence and trying to touch them and trying to get someone to sign something. I'm tossing beers to the guys as they're running over, like, you know, and then, um, Chris Maragos and I'll never forget. It was Chris Maragos is standing there and I have a beer crack and I was like, do you want a beer? And he like shakes it, saw that it was full and just started slugging it and said, thanks. And just kind of like, was like running around with everyone but dude, the one one of my brother's friends, um, so you know Nick Fell from from yeah. school. His girlfriend Sam, it was her sister, was standing right in front of me, and she saw a cell phone sitting on, on in the street as like Marigos and the guys are running over. And in my, the one video, I don't know if it was my video or my sister in law's video, you hear her pointing to this phone and she's going, "My phone, phone!" Like someone dropped a phone and. 
Marigos runs over and picks up this phone and goes to hand it to her. She goes, no, no, it, it's not ours. It's one of yours. And I don't know if you're going to have to like bleep me on your podcast, but as, I'll he's, bleep, yeah. as he's handing it back to her, he's like, no, nah, F it, keep it. And like gave it and then just took off running and just got like, just hands us this cell phone and takes off. And we're like, so like, we're trying to like, not like, cause everyone around us is now like backing off the fence. Cause the players are gone. Like, so we're like, we just got like, all right, let's find out whose phone it is. Is it someone's phone around us? Like whatever thinking it's an Eagles phone. Like we're like, there's definitely got to be a passcode on it. Uh, click the home button. And guess what we go to the home screen on this person's oh, phone. Somebody needs to learn about security because the funny thing is I'm a security guy at Microsoft. So <laughs> I immediately, when we get this phone, I'm on my iPhone trying to figure out how to find the back door to get around the <laughs> swipe up, swipe left, right, up, down, maybe hit the back button if it's there and <laughs> the get into code. the phone. Yeah, the cheat code to get into the phone. Like, how <laughs> can I do this? And literally, I'm like, all right, all right, uh, we're going we're gonna to try this, try this way, Kyle. And she literally hits the home button. She goes, oh, we're, we're in. And I'm like, okay, cool, we're in. So then she had the idea. She's like, uh, well, let's post on his Instagram. And that's kind of when the whole thing like took Did off. Did you know it was Sydney uh, as soon as you hit the home button? Did you, were you able to find that out? <laughs> so we got the phone. We opened up the text messages first, hoping that we could see a player's name so that we could say, like, Malcolm Jenkins, come get the phone. Carson Wentz, like, we got one of your players' phones. Like, can you come get this? Not a single name was saved in the con- like in the text messages. Like, it was all, like, 215, like, numbers. So, like, it didn't seem like an important phone at all. Like, it was, it was a work phone. It was a burner phone for the parade in case something stupid happened. But, like, there was one group chat that said on it, uh, D backs 2018 or something like that. Like, or 20, like it was the, the, so we're thinking like, you gotta have, so we clicked it, clicked on the number, like tried to find anyone's name in it and no, like no name. So that's when we turned to Instagram and it was, well, how can we get this phone back to him? Because he's never going to see us like tweet him. Like we have your phone. So it was our friend's idea to, to go on to Instagram, take the picture since we couldn't text anyone and say, Hey, we got your phone. We want to give it back to you. Like, so we post this picture on Instagram of all of us and we didn't hear anything from the players immediately, but I think it was, I want to say it was like NBC sports. Philly picked it up like that. Like they had the story, like our picture was out there immediately that the phone was that a Philly fan had a player's phone, which was insane. We are pulling out of the parking garage to leave after the parade, after Jason Kelt. Like, we were done everything, like, walked back to the cars and everything. And all of a sudden, Nick pulls up next to us, and they're on FaceTime. And it's Sidney Jones and all them saying, like, can you make it to the stadiums and come meet us, like, so we can get the phone back. And I, I think it was Darby and Sydney Jones. The girl said we're on the phone. So my dad looks at fell and's like, follow me. I know my way around the back streets. Cause my dad. So like, we're like going in and out of these back streets. And like, then Nick keeps calling me. He goes, now they're going to Chickies and Pete's now right by the stadium. Like go meet them at Chickies and Pete's. So like, so we get all the way to Chickies and Pete's. Um, we got to give him his phone back and we told him like the story about Marigos and how like we couldn't find a way to like text anyone or like get the phone back to him. So we posted on Instagram. We thought the picture was going to like, he was going to take it down once he got the phone back. 
dude goes right on it onto Twitter and goes, I got, I got it back and posted the picture of all of us, oh, like wow. with him getting his phone back. Um, I want to say that was like the craziest, like two or three days of my life of like, because like I kept getting calls from Nick and them of like, they want to interview the girls. Like they want to do this. They want to do that. Like it was just insane with like how fast everything just kind of like moved with it. And like, but yeah, I just meet like met him at a back door at Chickies and Pete's. Like there was like five people outside who like knew who was supposed to be there and who wasn't. And we're like, we're here to give Sydney his phone. And like they were on FaceTime with Sydney and, and uh, Darby when we pulled in. So like the guys knew to come outside. So like Sydney came out, got a picture with all of us, but yeah, that was, uh, I mean, very memorable Super Bowl parade. Like I will yeah. never forget that ever, but like just how, how everything went down. Like, that's why I mean there's the Super Bowl parade was memorable for everybody there but that is a whole new level of you get the Jason Kelsey speech and then oh my gosh you go meet Sidney Jones who I was gonna go buy his jersey the next day and now I'm kind of glad I haven't yet because you haven't done anything so Sidney if you are a follower or a listener love you to death but please get your head out of your bad work You had that's awesome though. That is an awesome way to do it. I must say, I went down there at 2 a.m. and one by one, the people I were with bailed. And then 30 minutes before the parade started, the one that was left had to go to the bathroom, and I had to decide whether I wanted to watch the entire parade um, up against the fence by myself or stand back with a friend. And I was like, I'd rather just do this with somebody I want to be with than myself. And we got stuck behind that stupid ass giant horse statue. So I had to watch the whole thing um, on those giant screens. That was my Super Bowl parade. But I am glad that I can now live it through you. And I can just imagine how awesome that was FaceTiming Sidney Jones and then actually meeting him like that. That's just props to you for finding a way to do that. Dude, I, yeah. And I, st- I think the thing that blows my mind the most is the fact that there's no passcode on his phone. Like- Sidney, come on. <laughs> Number one, number one, you can't hold on to the ball. You can't play defensive back, and now you can't even know to put your password on your phone. Here, here's what's up, Sydney. When you get drafted to the NFL, you need to put in the work every day in the weight room, and put in at least a six-digit passcode or your fingerprint. Like, it's 2019, man. Come on, something, man. (laughs) Come on, dude. Like, unless this really was a burner phone that he was not expecting to get back if anything happened to it. Dude, he, he was mentored by Brian Colangelo's wife, I think. Where is that guy at right now? I don't know. I don't care. There's so much stuff that just went on in the past year or two. We could do an entire <laughs> podcast series about do another two why years, Philly, two hours. Like, Philly is the greatest sports city, but we've also had like five of the most bizarre sports occurrences in the past three years in all of sports, like somehow there's always a headline between the positive headline of Nick Foles becoming a magical Super Bowl champion to Brian Colangelo <laughs> having a wife with five burner accounts that was just roasting players. <laughs> he was roasting guys. It was crazy. <laughs> like how bad do you have to be to do that, man? I feel like it. <sighs> You have to know it's going to get out there when you're releasing medical information about guys. I I mean, you think you would think like, (laughs) that's like, it's so hard to even like try and like, 
I'm like, all right, I could be on the other side of this from PD. And like, I'm like, it's just, it's impossible. Like, <laughs> I, just, I, I got nothing. You can't even play the devil's advocate. Like, I'd even argue with you on this one. Like, dude, when that article, to be. <laughs> when that article came out, I read the whole thing and I still didn't. I was like, what did I just read? And I might actually have still been confused about it until everything you just said. I think it might have all just clicked. <laughs> oh, wow. That's actually what she said. <laughs> okay, cool. Like, oh, man. You just wouldn't have these kind of things 10 years ago or what well, that makes me sound really old when I talk like that. So I'm going to, I'm going to stop talking like that. I played little league baseball. I've never heard of these things. <laughs> we didn't have Twitter accounts for our official little league team. Uh, the only way that I had a little, uh, only way I could add some weight to my bat is I picked up three of them to swing. Fancy bat weights. Uh, <laughs> oh my God. Oh man. Class sports talk. <laughs> this is what the flying high podcast is. We just talk about Philly sports and <laughs> what else do we need to talk about? You can splice in. We could just kind of have like random segments on this. <laughs> my, I, I, I guess I do want to, I don't, I had an idea to ask you a question, but it could lead to a really long answer. But I'm going to ask I'll, it. I'll do my best. I mean, listen, we're already at two hours on this <laughs> I know, thing, right? I think, so. Well, this will be my last question, and then I'll wrap it up, and I'll splice this together in the next day or two, because this one is going to be a doozy. <laughs> I'm pretty sure you're going to have a couple days worth it <laughs> on this one. I think you got to bring me on more, so it's like, all right, we're going to ask these two questions to get this kid out of here. Like, <laughs> I, I know. I was like, we're going to talk a little bit briefly about Philly sports and cover his uh, national holiday account, and it'll be like a 20-minute interview, and we're going on two hours. <laughs> so. Let's it's good it. to ca- it's good to catch up. That's for it, certain. Definitely. My we'll last- some, I'll come out. We'll make some live videos. We'll do like oh we'll my find, god, yeah. find a good like national holiday weekend, and we'll do like live content for <laughs> flying high and and get some collab good content. Effort. Oh yeah, I'll do like a collab for yeah yeah yeah. Okay, go ahead. We just plan that on the fly, everyone. <laughs> my question to you: uh, This actually is now going out of the Philly sports realm, but. Uh, last summer or spring, whatever it was, there was so much talk surrounding LeBron James coming to the Sixers. Do you think that would have been a good move? And how do you feel about LeBron James? All right. So I'm going to putting myself into my, uh, we're, we're going to, we're going to do this for the kids and not say bad words or anything. I am so glad LeBron James is out in, in LA. Um, I was so on the fence with LeBron because like the part of me, he's the, this hurts. No. This greatest basketball to ever, greatest player to ever play basketball ever to admit in many's eyes. I'm still going to let MJ have that one. Um, but he's the best player that I've grown up watching. So from my experience, the greatest player I've ever seen is, is LeBron. That I mean, you hear the stories about all the other guys who have come before us that our dads watched and everything. And, everyone has their own definition of who is the best player that they've seen. So yeah, I mean, back at the time you'd love to have LeBron on the team, but um, my biggest concern with LeBron coming here, LeBron plays the same position. Ben Simmons plays. He brings the ball up. He kind of plays this side swing. I kind of want to do whatever I want to do position and we'll find guys I'll get good pieces around me and I'll just kind of play the position that's left. So it's like, I actually thought Paul George would have been the better free agent to go after for the roster that the Sixers had at the time. 
So I was more into the like pushing for Paul George than I was getting LeBron. Like, yeah, like if we got LeBron, it would have been just like like Hart. Like, I could just say the same thing with Harper. Like, oh, we didn't get him. He goes to the Dodgers. Like, oh yeah, we didn't really need him. <laughs> and you know, but like at the end of the day, you really want him on your team. Like, yeah, LeBron on the t- on the team would have been great. My biggest thing that I was afraid of. As he comes to the team and we let guys like Dario go, well, we would have moved maybe Joel Fultz. You know, you, you might have started to see some of these young pieces that we had, like what he did in Cleveland. He, he got rid of players to build his super team. And then now when he left, look at what Cleveland is. It's nothing because the, the it just it kind of feels like that. Like, look at Miami. Miami kind of dealt with it, too, except for they still had Bosch and Wade. But like. When he left, like their depth was terrible. So it's like I didn't want to see that happen to the Sixers, especially with how young we were. Um, and I think you're starting to see it happen in LA a little bit. Like when that Anthony Davis trade almost happened, like I thought that whole team was getting traded just for, like they basically so offered they. they offered the entire their entire starting like starting crew except for LeBron for Anthony Davis, and we're gonna give up a first round pick. Like Dude, two guys can't win you this whole thing. Like, you're not even going to compete with Golden State at that point. Like, so, and now I think you see LeBron trying to do too much, and I don't think the locker room cares about him at all. So, like, good riddance. Have fun in Los Angeles. If I'm the Lakers, I trade LeBron. I don't trade the rest of the team. Yeah, honestly, you attacked that very, um, very intelligently and basketball related. Whereas (laughs) I would take it as, there was a moment where he posted like they played against Cleveland and LeBron seemed to love Joel and Ben Simmons. And I wrote an article about how I wanted LeBron here. Um, but I, I, I really don't respect LeBron James because of the way he has ruined basketball um, off the court and kind of just the legacy of the game. And I'm sure people will argue about this forever, but I just think that he took away, it wasn't just him. It's kind of this era of player, but that pure drive to kill and really just destroy your opponent is not there with him. Um, and I, I just didn't like how he was a diva and I was worried he was going to, while I don't love Brett Brown all the time, I thought he would be the kind of guy who would come in, ship Brett Brown out, ship players out. He subs himself in and it's just that kind of diva mentality that could ru- uh, just destroy an entire process. So yeah, you're not I wrong think- at all. I think they dodged the bullet and I will go with uh, there's a lot of really great players in NBA history and you can't uh, determine one is the goat because every era is its own. Um, But all that came before LeBron James played defense. And that's my last statement on that. So, all right, follow up on this LeBron talk. All right. Now the LeBron pod (laughs) who ruined the NBA with super teams. Do you blame it on LeBron going to Miami and teaming up with Bosch and them? This could be a quick thing. So here's, well, here's the thing with Boston. Did Boston really sign everyone in free agency or did they trade away their entire draft pick and picks in future to go ahead and get the KGs and to get Pierce and to get, to get the guys that they needed to compete? Like, yes, Boston created that first super team that LeBron couldn't beat by himself. So he had to go to Miami and team up with people 
to beat Boston, but now then you get everyone. Well, no, then KD made the super team by leaving Oklahoma because he couldn't beat Golden State. So now LeBron had to go and leave Cleveland to build it in LA. Like, who is at fault for this this new mentality of the NBA? Like, yeah, one superstar can't do it. That's obvious because there's so many good players. But it's like Golden State did it right, and they're getting bashed because they signed Kevin Durant because and Boogie. But it's like, if I'm a player and I want to freaking win a championship, like, of course I'm going to go out to the team that, number one, needs me to fill a position for them that I automatically start at. And number two, I just kind of get to go play ball and have fun because guess what? Winning is the best time of your life. Like, so I'll, I'll stop talking after that. <laughs> yeah, I mean, the thing with Boston is that they went and they won and they conquered. They didn't really uh, jump all over the place. And I, I guess when I say LeBron ruined the league, there's, there's many aspects to that. Um, something I don't like now is just how he thinks he can do whatever he wants, such as um, take Anthony Davis out to dinner after a game. And then less than a month later, Anthony Davis is demanding a trade. And Oh, who's the team who wants him the most? The Lakers like that's, that's beyond uh, the Bryce Harper tampering jokes. That's like actual tampering. But I think for me, it's LeBron's decision to just hop around so often wherever he wants and um, not really care about anybody but LeBron coming in. Does that make sense, I guess? That makes total sense. That's the same argument that I make with people. Because I hear people say that it's Kevin Durant, and Kevin Durant is the first person to go create a super team. And like to me, that's BS. Like Boston created the first super team, but they didn't create it through free agency. They created it, I mean, kind it's tough. Like they did and didn't, but it, I don't know, man. Like I, I think LeBron going to Miami and showing players that like you can all join together and do stuff like that. And like it, it's tough. It's, it's tough to point the finger at the first, the first group or the first team to really do it. Yeah, it really is. I, I just feel like the Boston team, they were sold on Boston. You know, they were committed to Boston where I think LeBron, uh, he was in on wherever he wanted to be. He, he, he didn't care about Miami. You know, I think that the big three in Boston cared about the city of Boston and cared about the Celtic legacy where LeBron went to the heat. Like, Oh, I can play with these guys and win because they're really good. Uh, but once we stop winning or once I realized that it's not what I wanted it to be, uh, I'm going to go back to Cleveland to make myself look better, but I'm going to bring with me uh, a bunch of other players that, are who I think can help me win. And then I'm going to have issues with Kyrie and Kevin love. And then I'm going to go to LA because all great players go to LA. And uh, then I'm going to offer off my entire team and sit off to the side of the bench and not respect any player other than like an NBA all-star. Okay. Yeah. You win. Yeah. <laughs> I mean like it, it, no. Cause like, that's kind of how I feel. And it's like at the end of the day, like LeBron went to Miami not because he liked Miami. He went to Miami because Miami had the most cap space to sign him, Wade and Bosch, all to max contracts. So they all were taken care of. Like the only place that those three knew going into free agency, they were signing wherever they had the ability to all get paid. Not one of them was taking a lower contract to help the team out. Like they all were going somewhere to get paid. 
And they did, and Miami could offer it. And it just so happened that Wade was already from Miami, so it just added to them. And then you're right, yeah, he, he moved back to to Cleveland to save face, said, hey, I want you to go trade this guy that you just picked and Anthony Wiggins and go get me Kevin Love and send a couple other guys who were first-round picks too. And And then you watch Kyrie walk out the door because Kyrie no longer is the face of the franchise, which – rightly so he shouldn't be that's lebron's lebron is cleveland but nah i'm i'm all in on lebron is the devil in in nba so cool yeah yeah i mean he's talented he is talented he is no doubt about it he's a freak of of nature but i yeah i were you saying something i'm sorry i was going off on my lebron no no i'm I'm saying he's a heck of a basketball player then that's it like he is a heck of a basketball player but Go off, Petey. Go off. <laughs> Dude, he's a, he's a freak of nature. He really is, and you see that, and you just, like, I almost thought the same thing about Bryce Harper when he was dragging this thing on, and then it comes out that he was just looking for a contract. Like, he is the polar opposite of LeBron James. He's like, I want to go to this city and stay here and have no way out, bring other great players in who want to come, but I'm committed to this one team, and that kind of loyalty, and I guess this is me sounding, once again, a theme in this podcast is <laughs> I sound like an old fart who doesn't like change. You're losing loyalty, and I think that's a really strong aspect of sports that newer generations aren't even going to know about. For sickness and in health, for richer and for poorer, <laughs> Bryce Harper is a Philadelphia Philly. <laughs> and let's be real here, Petey. It's just, that feels so good just to say that. Like, man, like 13 million, like, I had this whole thought in my head, but then when I just said, third, like, for sickness and health and rich, for richer, before, it just got, it just, yeah, like, he, they, that is, and, and you're, just, I've remembered my point now. <laughs> Bryce Harper, I was, dude, two days, there was like three weeks, like, it's like, oh, the Philly staff's coming in on Monday. They're all supposed to be off on Monday. He's signing this day. Then all of a sudden, Bryce Harper's like, oh, no, I'm not going to say anything till next week. And then it's like the next week. Oh, no, I'm not going to say anything till next week. And I got to the point with Bryce Harper where I was so done with it. I was like, you know what? If you don't want to be here, leave. Like, go take your little contract <laughs> from the Dodgers. Yeah, like, you know what? If you don't want to be with me, if you're not with me at my worst, don't be with me at my best. Like, I don't care if you think that, like, our young guys aren't good enough or whatever the heck you want to say, but like, don't be with us at all. Like, and I literally remember saying two days before he signed with the Phillies, I was like, you know what? Give him, put the offer in front of him 10 years, $300 million and just say, that's our offer and walk away from the table. And either he accepts it or he doesn't. And then when I heard he accepted the deal, I was like, screw this guy. I don't want him on our team. Then he accepted. I'm like, Oh my God, I love Bryce Harper. Like he's the best. Like, you, you are like that's how it was for a moment. It felt and the the when so the many different. Back in. Yeah. Oh my God! You know, twenty minutes before it's announced that he signed with the Phillies, it was all but certain he was going west. There was just so many voices in that who were feeding us information. Really, what it turned out to be was just Bryce sitting back and letting his uh, letting his agent do the do. Which I mean, he, he did it right. Yeah, right. Scott Boris is good at his job and it really pisses off a lot of fans, but that's how it's going to be. He's here now. We've come full circle. We touched on LeBron. We touched on the Eagles. We touched on uh, Sidney Jones's phone and you, and we touched on 
going to Walmart to buy 26 gallons of milk to pour in a bathtub, swim in, and dump all over your face. <laughs> all that matters in the world, Petey Long. <laughs> Welcome to Flying High. <laughs> and I guess, have we officially retired the nickname Beef? So... Because I, I was I, I was initially going to be like, yo, this is my boy Beef. But then I was like, maybe he's Brian Rome now. So the nickname Beef I don't think will ever die when I keep the Southern Lehigh crew around me. Um, I tried to keep it alive down here in North Carolina. And for some reason, people at work are like, I refuse to call. I have another Brian who works on my team. We started the same day, like all this stuff. And I'm like, well, everyone at home calls me Beef. And they're like, I will never call you Beef. There is one guy in my office who's on my softball team who found out my nickname was Beef when he came over one night to hang out with some people. Some people, DJ Williams was down. We were having a party at my place, and he found out my nickname was Beef, and now he walks by my desk. Yo, what up, B? And like when nobody's trying, he goes, what's up, Beef? How you doing? So like, <laughs> there's one guy who I am Beef to, but everyone else down here, I am I am Brian. But yeah, I mean the, the handle on Twitter, I think, is at Notorious Beef, so it, it lives on, my friend. It lives on. <laughs> it, uh, okay. Then I will at, it lives on. I love it. I love that yeah, it lives on, man. I just can't think of you as a Brian. No offense. Hey, that's, that, <laughs> I think I've been beef the entire time you've known me. So, yeah, beef is Dude, a, beef works. I think the funniest thing for me is that it seemed like two weeks before you started the national holidays thing, you put up a post about meal prepping Yep. And then I and yep, then yep. I just saw and then I just saw a video of you stuffing an Oreo with like seven <laughs> Oreos worth of cream in your mouth. Dude, yeah. So uh, you're not and the first like, what person. What happened to, to meal prep, that. man? Yeah. So you're not the first person to say that. So there's one person who is a Snapchat friend of mine, um, and every time I post one of these videos on Snapchat, I immediately get a text of, "This is awesome for your diet." And my response <laughs> back is, "I literally eat one bite of what is made for national holiday account." And then that's my dinner for the night. Like, yeah, I might have made 15 pancakes, but there are 15 pancakes sitting at my table at the end of this because I can't eat 15 pancakes. Like, like, no, like it's yeah, I uh, the meal prep game's still going strong for for lunches at work. Heck yeah. Heck yeah. <laughs> but the uh, national pack your lunch for work day is like a week ago. So <laughs> it was on a Saturday, though. Yeah, man. T- today is a. Uh, national sloppy joe day Ooh. i gotta make that video tonight um i delayed you on that by uh, two hours and seven <laughs> minutes i have an idea in the head on what i'm gonna do it, it's nothing i'm doing i think uh I'll, I'll i'll give you the exclusive i'm gonna pay homage to uh billy madison today Ooh. and i'm just going to make an intro and i'm just going to play the sloppy joe from billy madison scene because i can't mess up that scene and try and remake it myself so i like it you're outsourcing Look you know that. You, you can't touch it and that'll be the free ad billy madison will get in it and hopefully youtube doesn't take it down all right I'm, <laughs> you're gonna get a message later tonight copyright this, this, this please yeah Son of a i added you guys like i gave your twitter <laughs> <laughs> Well, my friends who have been listening and those who are new listeners this has been flying high the Philly fans perspective with a fellow Philly fan. I already covered what we went over. And additionally, we talked about being a Philly fan outside of Philly. It's always awesome to get a perspective from a fellow. Um, what are we called? Relocated uh, transplant. Uh, That's what we transplants. We're, transplants. we're transplants. I don't like transplants. We're the coolest people down here. 
We're Philly fans at heart. Brian Rome, beef. Thank you for joining me. Let's see if I can remember the name. Support, me, support, and something engineer. <laughs> I can't remember. Support escalation engineer. <laughs> so, uh, so uh, <laughs> cut there. Thank you for joining me. This is Brian Rome, support escalation engineer at Microsoft in Charlotte. But more importantly, he runs the social media account on Instagram, national underscore holiday underscore celebrations. And if you didn't guess it, it's a different national holiday celebration every day. You can find them on YouTube. I think Facebook. I don't know about Twitter. Whatever it is, I'll link all of it to our social media and you'll be able to find it. Beef Brian, thank you so much for joining me tonight, man. This has been a blast, and I hope to have you back on the pod very soon. Petey, I loved my time here, man. We had a lot of fun, and we definitely need a couple more days to talk through everything <laughs> for your podcast so that you're not sifted through two hours and 20 minutes worth of content of us just rambling about life. Dude, we can plan this all we want, and I'll have like a five-sheet. <laughs> outline of how it's going to go and we'll still go on a two-hour rant about nothing important like what we'll do next time you'll sit we'll sit around the fire in my backyard we'll just put a camera on us and we'll just talk (laughs) and then we'll just both cut it up and we'll make the videos for us to just be done with it i love it i love it we're doing it brother had a great time thank you for having me i need you to send me all of your websites i need i need how, how to get people on the national holiday site over to your sites too. So we'll get all that info and link it up that way too. So we'll deal with that. Heck yeah. Thanks, man. Heck yeah, brother. All right. So that was my discussion with beef. Uh, he runs that national underscore holiday underscore celebrations account. Make sure you go follow that. Um, it's in all the social media. I'll put it on the Facebook in the show notes on the Twitter. Be sure to subscribe to the pod. We'll have Justin back on for the next one. Send request place out. Don't tell me